0: Hello listener. I know you've probably seen the runtime of this episode and can't imagine why i want to add to it, but I just want to make a quick qualifier. We make some comments in this episode about Mikhail Gorbachev and the cameo he makes in Zangief's ending in Street Fighter 2. We don't see anything too offensive, but we do talk about him in an overly familiar manner. Just want to put into context that we made these comments before the announcement of his passing. Thank you and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, fighters, and welcome to Starter Quest, a podcast where we look at classic video games through the eyes of a white belt. Hey! This is episode number seven, where we are putting Street Fighter two one on one with Mortal Kombat. I am your host and undercover agent of Shadowloo, Alessandro Crolla, alongside my femme fatality and the star of this podcast, Jen Hughes.
1: Hi there. I'm trying to be a femme fatale. Hello there.
0: Hello. How are you doing today?
1: Good. <laughs> Splendid. How about you, handsome?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. Have you been playing anything fun recently? And for fuck's sake, do not mention Pokemon Arceus.
1: Well, apart from that, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Two Dots.
0: What's Two Dots?
1: Two Dots is a puzzle game on mobile where you've got a certain number of dots and other things to eliminate and a set number of turns. Mm-hmm you can connect them in any way but diagonally mm-hmm. basically the strategy is make as many squares as you can okay okay when i put it like that it sounds kind of boring mm-hmm. but it's very satisfying
0: <laughs> all these puzzle games always are it's the tetris candy crush mentality of nothing's more satisfying than clearing a screen yeah i've seen you play it a bit and it reminds me a lot of pollo Poyo. what's that it's a Japanese puzzle game that's quite famous for leasing its gameplay out to other franchises. Right. So there's a Sonic one called Dr Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. There's a Kirby one called Kirby's Adventure.
1: I don't think it's exactly like Puyo Puyo because you drag the line across the touchscreen.
0: Yeah, it's not exactly like it. It's definitely got its differences. But if you saw the gameplay of a Poyo Poyo game, I think you'd definitely recognise some similarities.
1: I don't doubt that there's similarities. Mm-hmm. So what were you playing?
0: Well, i have been playing? Um, I'm very slowly getting through the quarry. I'm having fun with it, but I'm having to save that for whenever I'm home alone because I know you'll get quite scared by it.
1: Yeah, I know that it's one of those horror games. It's kind of like a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. I already find those very stressful.
0: You're not going to look forward to some of our future episodes when we get into horror.
1: I mean, I don't mind horror. Like, there's some horror I can really enjoy, but there's some i watched halloween and that was my limit that's that's my limit i think i could maybe watch scream but uh, i don't know i've not got a very high tolerance for slasher fix
0: when i'm not playing the quarry i've been plumbing the depths of the new playstation plus subscription right and i'm actually quite enjoying playing some of the classics on it
1: what kind of classics are you playing
0: uh koreshi intelligence cube
1: oh god Kureshi's also very stressful
0: (sighs) i don't know how that one is stressful that was just you being weird
1: It's in this liminal space where all you can hear is like the thudding of the blocks coming towards you. And whenever like you clear a level, it makes this horrible, ominous note. It can't just be me, right? Please validate my views on this. It's not just me that finds this game (laughs) abjectly stressful.
0: And I also picked up a little game called Last Stop, which you've been watching me play.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty good.
0: It's trying to be a narrative adventure game where you can choose your own responses. But I'm not sold that my responses are changing anything about the game.
1: Right. It's got three different Mm storylines. There's the dad who just doesn't seem to be doing anything right.
0: Yeah, he's having a bit of a freaky Friday with his neighbour.
1: There's the domestic affairs one with a woman who works for this tech company who is an absolute cunt.
0: Yeah, I don't like her. She's an absolute awful human being. And her storyline is just watch her be an awful human being.
1: And then there's one with the teenagers where they kidnap an alien or something. And the teenagers are absolutely insufferable. I don't like them.
0: That one with the teenagers is the most Doctor Who of the three of them. It's all set in London, so there's a really strong British TV element to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That was the most likely that the Doctor's going to show up and save them all from this alien.
1: It reminds me of that uh, Alistair Beckett King video where it's every popular sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. And it's just Doctor Who. And he's playing the Doctor. And his companion and The Doctor Asks. So, I've got a machine that can travel anywhere in time and space. Where do you want to go? London. Present day London. <laughs> <laughs> and as a huge Doctor Who fan, I've always asked myself, like, why do they always go to fucking London? What's so great about that? Why do all the aliens want to invade London?
0: Because we don't have guns. <laughs> Shall we get on to our game of the day?
1: Let's get on to it, yeah.
0: Or should I say games of the day For we're doing a bit of a special comparison of street fighter 2 against mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. before we go any further i think we should just lay some groundwork and just ask what is the genre of these games and how would you describe it
1: these games are fighting games Mm -hmm. so lots of games have fighting in them Mm -hmm. from your platformers you have to fight enemies rpgs you have to fight enemies but they are not necessarily fighting games Mm -hmm. What makes a fighting game is usually one where the fighting tournament is the main focus. Mm -hmm. So mostly it's 1v1. Like I know that Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and Tekken and stuff are all 1v1. Usually, yes. Usually, Mm -hmm. give or take. There's usually an arcade mode where you rise up the ranks and become the fighting champion.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But a lot of it is just knocking the living daylights out of your friends. Mm -hmm. Virtually. The goal of these games is beating the living daylights of your opponents until their HP bar goes down and they die.
0: Or in the case of Smash Bros. when they become light enough that you can knock them off the screen.
1: Yeah, like they straight up, like, shoot into the air. It's incredibly funny.
0: We talked about this in our first episode, but you are familiar with the Smash Bros. series.
1: I'm very familiar with the Smash Bros. series.
0: So you're not a complete noob to fighting games.
1: Yeah, I mean, my social life for let's face it, the majority of my teenage years was playing Smash Bros. Brawl with my friends. was your character of choice? Character of choice... Uh, sometimes Daisy, but mostly Meta Knight. hmm Meta Knight is like a Kirby-looking guy, but has a suit of armour.
0: Yeah, we'll cross that when we get to a Kirby game.
1: But he has a great side attack with, like, spins about, like a drill, and does the same kind of, like, for his up And... Also, like, he's one of the characters that can fly. It means that you're not as likely to fall off a ledge Mm -hmm. and lose points.
0: Yeah, he's a great character to use.
1: How about you? Do you have a character of choice in Smash Bros?
0: I've always been a big fan of using Donkey Kong. Mm. He's just always been the one I've been using since Melee that I'm very familiar with. Outside of Donkey Kong, I've gotten quite good with Sonic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic's another one I do quite like to use in that game.
1: They added Sonic really recently, didn't they?
0: Not as recently, it was Brawl, actually.
1: Oh, it was Brawl, so it was. The story mode for Brawl underrated. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, you said that like three times there.
1: I, I can't emphasise it
0: enough. <laughs> I don't think your knowledge of Smash Brothers is going to help you much on this one because they both play very differently to how Smash Brothers plays.
1: Right.
0: Let's get a bit more detail now. What do you know about these games?
1: So, plot twist. Mm-hmm. I have actually taken part in a Street Fighter tournament.
0: Yeah, we're kind of cheating a little bit here, because you have technically played a Street Fighter game before.
1: Not this Street Fighter, but a Street Fighter yes.
0: game. I think it was Street Fighter 5.
1: It was back when uh, Megabytes was open.
0: Yes, this was a little gaming cafe that was in Glasgow that's sadly shut down, I think, through lockdown.
1: I think so, yeah, yeah. Don't get too excited, though. I'm not, like, secretly an epic gamer the whole time. This was years and years and years ago. I have forgotten almost everything that I knew about Street Fighter. I don't know if it's obvious if I've said it enough, but my memory is not very good. Which is great for this podcast because I'm going into some things completely new, even though I've done them before.
0: Well, stick on Street Fighter for now. So what do you remember about Street Fighter from that tournament?
1: Um, That the kid who was playing me was uh, not very good. <laughs> I kicked his ass. It's great. I don't want to video games very often, so it was a very satisfying moment for me. I think I played a girl. It might have been Chun-Li.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Possibly. I don't really know. That's as extensive as my knowledge goes. I know some of the characters. I remember actually you got Street Fighter V mm-hmm. around the time it came out.
2: Yeah,
0: I got it through my disc rental service.
1: Yeah, I was very taken aback at, like, you know, there were loads of characters that were, as far as I thought the time, were locked behind paywalls in DLC.
0: Yeah.
1: I was a bit annoyed for you, to be honest.
0: Oh, you weren't the only one that was annoyed. I was very annoyed by that. You unlock them mostly through playing the game. Mm-hmm. But I had my friend around, we just wanted to play a fighting game, and we had to unlock everything. It's a bit of a pain in the arse. Yes. So what characters can you name from Street Fighter then?
1: I think there's a couple of Street Fighter characters that have appeared in Smash Bros.
0: There is, there's two.
1: There's Ken, Mm -hmm. blonde buff fighty man. Mm -hmm. There's Rio, Asian buff fighty man. Mm -hmm. There's Chun-Li. Chun-Li didn't make an appearance in Smash Bros. Mm -hmm. I can name her mostly because of that Nicki Minaj song.
0: Yeah, it's called Chun-Li.
1: Yeah, it's called Chun-Li. It's very good. It's one of her best, actually.
0: Any other characters you can name from Street Fighter?
1: Um, M. Bison.
0: You know M. Bison?
1: When you were doing research, I took a squint at the screen and I accidentally saw it. Oh damn. He looks like Solid Snake's dad.
0: What significance does he have in the franchise?
1: Uh, is he like everyone's dad or something? (laughs) (laughs) Or like the father figure of the group?
0: Not really, no.
1: Is he the baddie? Yes. Ah, okay. Because I was going to say that there's also a scary skull man. Wait, what? There's, yeah, there's, an, it's not M. Bison, but there's another guy who's a scary skull man who's like undead or something.
0: Um, not sure about that one.
1: Bearing in mind that there's things I'm getting mixed up with. A lot of these fighting games they look very similar to an outsider.
0: I'm going to have to see, who who are you meaning on that one? I'm going to have to look at that in a second half. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else?
1: Yeah, that's it. Wait, no, um, there's the stretchy Sikh man. He's like Indian Mr. Fantastic or something.
0: And what's his name?
1: Sanjeev?
0: <laughs> no, it's not that.
1: No, I don't know. Sorry.
0: That's okay. He is a character in this game, so you're definitely going to meet that one. There's no other Street Fighter cards you know? No. Is there a story to Street Fighter?
1: Um, I don't know. Apart from being like the best fighter on the street, mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Do you know who makes Street Fighter? Capcom? Yes.
1: I've watched some What Happens, Matt McMuscle videos.
0: Yeah, and the name Capcom you can't get away from. it. It's going to become a very prominent name in this podcast going forward for sure. Mm. Okay, now let's switch tracks then and talk about Mortal Kombat. Right. What do you know about Mortal Kombat?
1: As far as I know, Mortal Kombat is like Street Fighter, but it's really controversial and violent and gory. Yes. Instead of just your health running out and you flopping onto the ground defeated, the opponents have like a fatality.
0: What's a fatality?
1: It's like one finishing move that really floors your opponent, which in theory is just, you know, like a bigger punch or something, but actually there's one where a woman gets sawed in half.
0: So not so much floors your opponent then, is it?
1: Yeah, it's more... um kills your opponent until they're very very dead
0: yeah that's kind of what's implied by fatality
1: yeah yeah like (laughs) most games it would just be like a punch or a kick
0: yeah and then you're knocked out lying on the ground
1: yeah you're gonna get back up after it you've been sawed in half or had your head taken out ripped out with your spine hanging out or frozen to death you're not getting back up
0: no Do you know what line normally signifies the closing moment in a fight in Mortal Kombat?
1: I think someone yells fatality.
0: No, before that.
1: Their health runs out. And after that? They do look a kind of, oh no, I've lost type thing.
0: Nah, you don't know then. I don't know. Very famous line to the game.
1: This kind of gore is like, it was easier to stomach in Doom because it didn't look that realistic, but i would seen some gameplay of the modern Mortal Kombat where like, sawing a woman in half very visceral hyper realistic detail and i actually found it a bit upsetting it's like very gratuitous and i think that's the problem that people had with it at the time was that it was just so violent
0: yeah we talked about this a little bit in our doom episode that this is one of the games that was pulled up in that senate hearing this alongside night trap which was a game for the sega cd you were a security guard watching these late high school, college-age girls being attacked in a house by kind of silly-looking...
1: Gorilla man.
0: Kind of. They look more like swamp men kind of thing.
1: Right, okay.
0: And you had to protect them or they would be kind of dragged off screen by these men screaming.
1: Yeah, which sounds really upsetting and stressful.
0: Yeah, it's a very shit game, don't get me wrong. It's never getting on the podcast. Yeah. But between the sexual distress of Night Trap, and the extreme violence of Mortal Kombat. Games got dragged over the coals, over the pair of them. Yeah. And like I said, this is all a day before Doom came out, which didn't help things at all.
1: What I'll say with Mortal Kombat, the clues in the title. Yeah. It's Mortal Kombat.
0: The problem being is that a Mortal Kombat machine would be put next to the Simpsons arcade game and a game of Pac-Man. And we're trying to say that all three of these are on the same par, which they're definitely not. There's absolutely a maturity to Mortal Kombat. That needs to be justified. Even if it's just that this game is for adults only. Totally fine.
1: Maturity might not be the right word because something that is like that gratuitous and stupid, I don't know if you could call that mature.
0: Fair point, yeah. (laughs) Do you know anything about the story of Mortal Kombat?
1: Well, you're fighting to the death with your opponent.
0: Why? What are we all doing here?
1: What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. It's just because the game designers thought, oh, blood and violence.
0: Okay. Are you expecting much story from these games, actually?
1: Not particularly. No. No.
0: Okay, okay.
1: It's like all the fans of these fighting games are going to be screaming at me, but Jen, there is a story.
0: One of the problems with fighting games is that usually... They always have a story that comes up at the end that explains what happened after they won the tournament.
1: Oh, big thing of text.
0: It was a big thing of text. Now it's like a short video you get. Mm. The problem being is that they're not all canon because only one person can canonically win the tournament going into the next game.
1: Yeah, it's not Sing where everyone wins.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's only actually one winner. Mm. So you get a lot of stories, but most of it being just this is complete bullshit written on it because it doesn't become canon.
1: So basically I'm going to find out Whose thing becomes canon?
0: Maybe. We'll explain what we're doing when it comes to playing through the games later.
1: Yeah, there's like a 1 in 16 chance that my ending will be canon.
0: For now, though, let's just finish up on Mortal Kombat and ask, what characters can you name?
1: So there's Shao Kahn. Yes. Big scary skeleton man.
0: What's his significance to the story?
1: Is he the baddie? Yes. Because skulls.
0: Yeah, he is the big bad of Mortal Kombat.
1: There's Shao Kahn's brother, who looks like Sting. Not the police Sting, the wrestler Sting.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure with this one.
1: Uh, Mom, someone's mother is in the game.
0: Wait, I, what?
1: I don't know who, though. That might be Mortal Kombat 2. I remember like in every bad acting compilation, there's a scene from the Mortal Kombat 2 movie it's so this like woman who's got bride of frankenstein here saying too bad you
0: will die that's sadly a character from two i know who you're talking about now i don't know where you get mum from but that probably says more about your mother than anything
2: else.
1: <laughs> you know she listens to this podcast i know she does <laughs> you bastard um i don't know whether it's this or tekken but there's a bear an actual bear. That's Tekken. Right, that's Tekken? Yes. Right, okay.
0: Any other characters you can name from Mortal Kombat? Uh I think you alluded very lately to one of them earlier. You're talking about one of the fatalities.
1: Frozone.
0: Sorry, Frozone.
1: Yeah, the guy who freezes things.
0: And do you remember what his name is?
1: Uh no, I don't know his name. That's why I called him Frozone. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> he likes his frozen yogurt. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so you're going into Mortal Kombat with a lot less knowledge of the cast?
1: Yes, much less knowledge of the cast.
0: True. It is admittedly smaller than the Street Fighter 1 for this game. Mm. Do you know who makes Mortal Kombat?
1: Uh, the Marquis de Sade. No. What? <laughs> the guy who coined sadism.
0: No, not him. <laughs> Fucking hell.
1: Yeah, that's a deep cut. <laughs> Only oh, <the> true intellectuals like get it like he had like a whole manifesto and everything I didn't read it but apparently it's fucking disgusting and absolutely obscene
0: well sadly it wasn't him (laughs) sadly (laughs) so you don't know who made this game then
1: it's not also Capcom
0: no it's not Capcom made this one
1: Nintendo (laughs) nah
0: do you know what makes the art style of Mortal Kombat other than the obvious Blood and Guts special in any way
1: is it 64 bits? No. Is it that they're further away? Like Mortal Kombat, like the fights are, look like they're further away. And then Street Fighter, like they're really up close.
0: No, no. It's a bit something special about the characters of Mortal Kombat.
1: Oh, uh, the characters from Mortal Kombat are scanned in.
0: Yes, they are.
1: Motion capture.
0: Not so much motion capture. They are images of actors. They take a photo of every kind of phase of the move, cut out all the green screen around them, and then use those photos to animate them in-game.
1: Oh, wow, that's pretty cool.
0: Yes. Digitising, I think the term is.
1: Ah, digitising. And Street Fighter's drawn and animated, like normal yes. video games.
0: Yes, yeah, all pixel characters. Mm. So I think that's quite an interesting basis on both games. You're going in, admittedly, a little more experience of one over the other.
1: Marginally.
0: But you're going into both with very little information. So what do you expect from these games?
1: Um... I'm expecting them to be kind of similar, except for the character roster and the fatalities in Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, I don't know if my time button mashing in Smash Bros will be any help.
0: These two games do make for a very interesting comparison. They came out about 18 months apart. Very much Mortal Kombat was made as a response to Street Fighter. So it does have the advantage of building off the first game. But at the time, the two of them became tentpoles in the format wars.
1: So what's what happened with Mortal Kombat, the person who created it, took one look at Street Fighter and said, I can make something more hardcore than that.
0: Yep, pretty much.
1: I can do it harder.
0: <laughs> I think comparing the two of them does define a dialogue in the styles of fighting games. There were console versions of both of these games. And even though they were both multi-platform, one of the things that helped fuel their rivalry was that the Mega Drive version of Mortal Kombat was considered superior to the Super Nintendo version, and the Super Nintendo version of Street Fighter was considered more pure than the Mega Drive version, which added to the console war at the time.
1: So it was just like, not necessarily gamers being gatekeepy and shit, more case of this game looks better on this console than the other one. Yes. Right you do get some people who are just gatekeeping purist for no good reason at all.
0: Back then, any reason to say my console's better than your console was just taken with both hands.
1: It's just remarkable how little people change. Tribalism is still very much alive and well.
0: Yep. But to be clear, we're not going with console versions of these games. We're actually using the arcade version. Oh. Yeah, we're going all out. I've downloaded the MAME emulator, which is the mother of all arcade emulators. So we're going to get to play these games in the truest experience for the pair of them, which were considered at the best in the arcades. To do this, one of the kind folks over at NGI events have graciously given us a loan of a fight stick to use for this comparison.
1: Thanks guys. Oh, fuck me, it weighs a ton. Oh my God.
0: It's a very heavy machine, but the size of a laptop.
1: Heavier than a laptop. It's a thick boy.
0: It is a thick boy.
1: (laughs) It has a joystick for moving about. It's got a little duket for the start button, which you can close over because it's very easy in the heat at the moment with a button mashing to accidentally click the start button.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's happened to me a few times. There's like a little strip of function buttons, mm-hmm. which I probably won't be needing that much. No. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight buttons, which include your left and right triggers.
0: This one's got the PlayStation buttons on it, but that's nothing you have to worry about. Yeah. It is just eight buttons with a stick. And this is as close as we can get to how the controls would be like in the arcade. Yeah, In the fighting game scene, fight sticks are considered mandatory to get the best out of these games.
1: Right. Why is that?
0: They are very responsive, they're quite a uniform design, so you can expect a fight stick to operate the same way with every game you play, and usually they play quite a few fighting games. And a lot of the fighting games offer themselves to be very customizable. so you can have the inputs be laid out any way you like.
1: A bit like what we managed to do with Doom in the PC. Oh yes, totally. Yeah, that's the good thing about PC games and this fight stick, is that you can customise it to make it accessible.
0: When it comes to choosing these games, I chose Mortal Kombat 1, as it was made as a response to Street Fighter 2 and had that to build from, and they mostly just came out running with the franchise. So I think it is slightly easier to play than its sequel, which would be good for a newbie. Street Fighter 2, on the other hand, I don't think you know this, but Street Fighter 1 was kind of a nothing game. It's a very weak, weak entry. In what way? It was more like a concept game than it was an actual proper entry. You only ever play as two characters. Didn't sell well at all. Didn't have anywhere near the appeal of its sequel. You ever got to play as Ryu, or there was a player-v-player mode in Kent. They took that player-v-player mode and go, let's take that, but develop it for a range of other characters, and that became the franchise.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Street Fighter 1 stumbled, and Street Fighter 2 ran with it. My personal experience with these games is quite like a lot of kids my age. I played them when I was younger. I played Mortal Kombat on the Mega Drive and can still remember the cheat to turn on blood. Abacab.
1: Oh, like the Genesis song. Really? Yeah, there's a song called Abacab. I don't think it's about Mortal Kombat, though. I would be very surprised if Phil Collins had played Mortal Kombat. But then, you know, people are complex.
0: Wow. So the Genesis song, Abacab, on the Sega Genesis.
1: (laughs) I think it might be a coincidence, but yeah.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this was intentional. The guys who made Mortal Kombat were huge in creating little easter eggs like this.
1: Ah, that'll be it.
0: So I code on the Mega Drive, which in America was known as the Genesis. To unlock blood is a song by Genesis. See, it's not just Jen that learns things in this podcast, I learn things too. Yes. Street Fighter 2, I actually played on the Amiga, a particularly awful port, all things considered, but still the format I got familiar with the franchise with. I have to admit that I'm not great at either game, Neither is my fighting game of choice. I'm more of a Tekken man, which we're saving for our future episode.
1: Oh, Sandro, are we going to do like another uh, fighting game versus fighting game?
0: No, when it gets right to Tekken, we've got a lot more with that that we can do its own episode on it. The only reason why I'm doing this game v game for Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat is because outside of trying to complete the game with all characters, it's quite light on content. Right, okay. I can't feasibly ask you to complete this game with every character. It's just not a skill that many people can possess but I can feasibly ask you to complete Tekken with every character. Right, okay. I'm thinking comparing them instead just gives you a great basis that we can use to explore fighting games in greater detail in future episodes.
1: Ah, okay.
0: I'm going to move into the rules of gameplay for now. Rule one, you have to try every character in the game until you're at least familiar with what they can do. Okay. Once you try them all, I'll expect you to come back for our second half with a ranking list of your favourites from F tier to S tier.
1: Oh! I love doing these kind of ranking things. I'm in a Discord chat for Diamond Axe Studios and we do like rank downs for music and stuff really regularly. We don't use the F to S tier like a lot of the tier YouTube videos. Mm. We just go for like an excellent through to terrible.
0: Rule two, you'll have to complete the arcade mode at least once using any fighter of your choice. Right. We will have the full access to the emulating software to save say as we see fit. And I don't mind cheating to do this because it's not an easy task. Right. As long as you experience beating this game once, that's all I'm after. Right. Rule three, by the end of the episode, you have to decide which game is the better game and Mm. why.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun.
0: We are here to find out which is the better fighting game for our resident noob
1: let's do it
0: yes so you have your fighting stick yep you have your violent tendencies
1: yes
0: (laughs) are you ready to pit mortal kombat against street fighter 2 fuck yeah let's get started (laughs) What? Welcome back. It took us four weeks to get through both these games, about two weeks per game,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which isn't too bad but they are also quite smaller compared to the other games you've played so far.
1: Considering it takes me about four weeks to play one game, mm-hmm. managing to get through two games, especially ones I was finding quite hard in that time, mm-hmm. yeah I'm quite proud of myself for that.
0: How did you get on with your experience of fighting games as a whole for now?
1: These took quite a while to get used to. Mm -hmm. They're fun, but I needed a lot of training to get through it.
0: Yeah, I think there was about five days in total at the start of every game, which was just you and me playing the two-player mode and me trying to teach you all the commands and you getting used to the characters.
1: You were my Mr. Miyagi to my Danny LaRusso, but with slightly less child (laughs) labour.
0: I never got so far as teaching how to paint the fence. But admittedly, when we're on this podcast, we do wax on a bit. Uh, You did play both games using only the fighting stick, which I'm proud of you for.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: How did you get on with the fight stick?
1: I was quite surprised at how well I managed it. Having said that, it is closer to a keyboard than a controller. The one disadvantage is because the joystick can move you in any direction, it can go like a full 360 Mm -hmm. degree angle. It meant that I'd sometimes accidentally jump or duck when I wanted to do the fighting moves that needed the joystick. Mm -hmm. In both games, there were two of the eight buttons that just weren't doing anything.
0: Street Fighter 2 is designed for a six-button setup, and Mortal Kombat's designed for a five-button setup.
1: So uh, there are just two buttons there that do nothing.
0: Yeah. To simplify it with Mortal Kombat, I did just use two buttons to do the same thing as one button. Yeah because there's usually supposed to be a block in the middle, so I just put both buttons to be block.
1: Yeah, and you had to tape over the duff buttons as well.
0: Yeah, I do apologise to the guy over at NGI who loaned us the fight stick. We just used some masking tape, so it came off incredibly easy. But yeah, we did lightly tape over the buttons. We did have them taped down, but the first time we had to rebind buttons, we saw the flaw in that one, so we left them with tape over it, but the buttons not held down.
1: Mm -hmm. That was a bit of a pest, to say the least. In saying that, I probably would have struggled quite a bit more with a controller. Despite the fact that I'm more used to a controller, mm-hmm. I think having like all the buttons in like front of you and there's like no like left or right triggers or anything like that made it a lot easier.
0: I think if we were going to do this on a controller, the Mega Drive controller would have been the one of choice. Because that had the six buttons in the front of it.
1: Right, oh yeah, so it does, yeah.
0: Seeing as the game's your only comparison, how would you say the games felt compared to Smash Bros.?
1: Um I find them more difficult. How so? Well, I found the computer players in both games pretty merciless, Mm -hmm. which is, again, a feature, not a flaw. They wanted the computer played characters to be difficult, so you'd keep putting money in the machines.
0: Yeah, that's what they're designed to do.
1: It was a real difficulty curve for me. With Smash Bros, at least the Smash Bros games I played, you can add handicaps. There's tutorials if you need them. Mm -hmm. There's a bit more oh, depending on what game there's a bit more of a story mode type thing mm-hmm. there's so many characters that it's probably impossible to say that all of them have different fighting styles
0: admittedly all the features talk about there though they will come to fighting games even just by the playstation generation the street fighter alpha series had training mode mission mode a more robust storyline to it all these things to make it more comfortable to the player yeah the games are a lot more forgiving and a lot more introductory to newbies, but they also have a lot more complications to them. Again, picking the arcade versions are very purposely some of the most boiled down experiences of both games. That's another reason I wanted to go back to the early nineties. Nowadays, they have so many of these new mechanics that honestly is what puts me off fighting games. Really? It's things like having to learn what a bounce cancel is. I'm just like, I don't care to learn this.
1: Yeah, not gonna lie, there were points at the start of my journey where I was tempted to just give up. If I wasn't playing this podcast and I didn't want to give these games a good shot, I would not have gotten as far as I have.
0: But then, looking back at it now, and as the listener will learn by the end of this, you got a lot further than you might have expected you would.
1: I got much further than I expected, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of myself.
0: With that being said... We can't go any further talking about fighting games as a whole, and we're going to have to get more specific on both games. Yes. I'm going to do the history and design, and I'm just going to talk about these games in turn, of how they bleed into each other. The story of Street Fighter 2 starts with two names. Akira Nishitani and Akira Yasuda.
1: Okay, who are they?
0: Nishitani was a well-regarded hand within Capcom. He had manned quite a few of the arcade games in the 80s, and he would go on to be one of the lead designers on Street Fighter 2. All through the development of Street Fighter 2 and its further iterations, and then well into their next Street Fighter project. Yasuda, who also goes by the name Akiman, was the lead art designer for Street Fighter 2, and saw the art as being the key appeal of the entire franchise. Right. Yasuda's done a lot of design work both in video games and in anime, and he's still going quite strong even to today.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because Street Fighter's aesthetic is very anime.
0: Yes, that's absolutely intentional. He wanted to draw these characters who had maximum appeal and leaned more on the manga styles of the time to create a high appeal for these characters. Those two, alongside the producer Yoshiki Okamoto, led development on the game. However, all three were not involved in the creation of Street Fighter 1. Right. That was created by Takashi Nishiyama and Hiroshi Matsumoto, who wanted to make a game in the style of a quite seminal 1984 game called Karate Champ. Right. That is one of the earliest links to the fighting game genre, and we'll come up later in this episode. Okay. Street Fighter 1, you either played as one of two characters who both appear in this game again, and you would go from country to country fighting a different opponent until you got to the boss. So it still plays a lot like how this game played.
1: But you didn't get to choose what character you played?
0: Not really, no. You either played as player 1 or player 2, essentially.
1: Because uh, Ryu and Ken are just the same character.
0: Yeah, we'll explain that more when we get to the characters. After Street Fighter 1's release, both those guys had left Capcom to work for a company called SNK and would create the Fatal Fury King of Fighters series.
1: Right, I don't know what that is.
0: Honestly, if we wanted to, we could have made this episode a three-way duel between Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat and King of Fighters. In Japan, Mortal Kombat isn't as popular as King of Fighters. So the rivalry was more between Street Fighter 2 and King of Fighters.
1: That makes sense. Mm
0: -hmm. Also, totally worth pointing out, but not very important for this episode. Street Fighter 1 was the first game in which Keiji Inafuni got his start in the gaming industry as a character designer. That's a name that will become more relevant in a future episode. So, instead, Nishitani, Yasuda and Okamoto made a different game called Final Fight, which does have some ties to the Street Fighter franchise. However, they wanted to go back to the Street Fighter 1 formula and think on how to develop that directly. They came up with the idea of doing a game a lot like Street Fighter, but beef it up by... Taking that exact same idea of Street Fighter 1, where you are a character going on a journey around the world and fighting different characters along the way, but this time making it that you can play those characters too.
1: That sounds like quite an upgrade.
0: It is. So you went from having just technically one playable character with two palettes to eight playable characters.
1: If you play Street Fighter 2 as Ryu, you're literally just playing Street Fighter 1 again.
0: For the most part, yeah. With improved controls. With improved controls, of course. They made the game a lot easier to control than the original game. They made the special moves a lot more simple to perform and they gave the players new features like throws and more efficient blocks.
1: We're talking about video games improving over time. This is a quite a good example of that.
0: Mm-hmm. They wanted to work from the mantra that every playable character should feel different to play. Yeah. Give them all advantages and disadvantages for players to use, abuse and overcome.
1: Which is a good feature in a fighting game. I really like that.
0: Yeah. Street Fighter II was released in February 1991 and went on to be the fourth highest grossing video game of all time. Wow. Grossing over $17 billion when adjusted for inflation. The only things higher than it on the list are Dungeon Fighter Online, Space Invaders and Pac-Man.
1: I've heard of two of those things.
0: Yes. Now, at the time Street Fighter II was being designed, an American company called Midway were making a name for themselves in the field of digitised graphics.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I I know where this is going.
0: Back when they were still Williams games, they'd begun releasing games which used photographed images for sprites. Most famous of which was their Terminator 2 light gun game, where they actually got access to the film set to take a few images.
1: Are you playing Arnie in that game? I
0: think you're playing Arnie. I couldn't say for sure.
1: You're possibly playing the Terminator with actual images of Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: As far as I know, it was just Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double.
1: That sounds more within budget.
0: <laughs> However, they did get actual footage of Robert Patrick for the game.
1: Who plays the T-1000? Yes. Pretty cool how they got that.
0: With this technology, two up-and-coming game developers within the company had pitched the idea for a one-on-one fighting game, much in the style of Karate Champ. I told you it was seminal. Yeah. These people were Ed Boone and John Tobias. Long considered the fathers of a little game called Mortal Kombat.
1: Oh, that's really cool how Mortal Kombat's get two dads.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they were both junior developers who had met and bonded over this idea that drew on their love of Kung Fu movies.
1: You can very much see that in how everything about the game is. Yes. It's very cute, actually. If it wasn't so horrifying and violent, it would be very cute.
0: When Midway's management saw the success of Street Fighter 2, they took this idea for their own fighting game and greenlit it. But with the caveat they had to complete the game, originally said six months, but then upped it to eight. A tight timescale. But thankfully, Tobias and Boone had been brainstorming ideas for this project since they made the pitch. Right. They originally tried to secure a movie star to lead the project, reportedly Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: Yeah, you can also see that in the gameplay as well. We'll get to that.
0: Yeah, they were going to try and do it as an adaptation of Bloodsport. What's Bloodsport? It's the movie that made Van Damme famous in the West.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Sadly, the deal couldn't be secured, but thankfully they went ahead with the project anyway.
1: Mm.
0: Boone reached out to one of his old martial artist friends and did their very first test character. It's really cool. There's actually footage of them filming the video of the characters in their costumes as they would appear in Mortal Kombat that's on YouTube for you to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They're in this grey room and just posing and doing moves in front of a camera, with then getting scanned and then rendered on a PC to get put in the game.
1: I think that's what they did with uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs.
0: Not with computers, but uh, yeah.
1: So when they made Snow White, this was before, you know, like digital computers or digital photography, what they did was they filmed live action actors playing all the characters and then their animators traced the movement. That way they were able to get across like realistic movements like Snow White moving like an actual princess. They did that to make the movement more realistic and the facial features also a little bit. Obviously modifying it and stylizing it. But it's very interesting. That's called cell animation, I think. Mm. I learned a bit about it in film, but it was a while ago, so apologies, I might have gotten that wrong.
0: It's taking the same idea of Snow White and adding blood. Yes. Which is exactly what Snow White we needed get me. But
1: <laughs> in the original Grim Fairy Tale, the wicked queen is made to dance in hot shoes until she dies. I mean, I think falling off a cliff was a bit more humane, actually. <laughs> Having been crushed by a rock.
0: you got to learn then when we get to Tekken that using cliffs to kill people is just such a bad idea.
2: <laughs>
0: when designing Mortal Kombat, Boone and Tobias had the cute idea of taking a sprite where the character gets beheaded, which was meant to be a defeat screen if you lost to the final boss, and instead repurpose it to make Johnny Cage punch someone's head off. This gave way to the bastard spawn of this series called The Fatalities.
1: Oh my god, The Fatalities.
0: (sighs) We touched on this in our first half, but now that you've played the game, what are The Fatalities?
1: With Fatalities, they're horrendously gory finishing moves. Mm -hmm. You or your opponent has run out of health, and the game says, and you're supposed to do a whole bunch of fancy button moves to get your character to do a horrendously gory move, like punch someone's head off, freeze them to death, throw them into a spiked pit full of the developer's heads.
0: Yep, that's a thing.
1: That's a thing. They're actually not necessary for gameplay.
0: No, they're just designed to rub in your victory to your opponent's face.
1: Yeah, you can go the whole game without doing a single one because, I'll be honest, they're a faff. The only exception is Liu Kang's, which is pretty easy, but I'm sorry, they're not worth it. This was back in the time where high scores mattered. They gave you a big bonus to your high score, but let's face it, most modern audiences do not give a shit about high scores.
0: Yeah. The name Mortal Kombat is actually something that was workshopped for a while, famously. They were considering something like Kumate. sell the asian influence or fatality as they assumed it would be what the game would become known for Mm -hmm. but neither seemed to fit right it was when someone spotted mortal kombat with a c on their list and decided they wanted to merge it with kumite and change the c to a k to create mortal kombat with a k this made the team laugh for its faux edginess and it just kind of stuck
1: faux edginess so all that bad boy posturing stuff is like Totally them having a goof and a gaff.
0: Oh, come on. They know fine well how ridiculous this game is. There's no way they don't. Their tongues are firmly lodged in their cheek.
1: I'm not going to lie. There are some of the fatalities that are very funny. As much as I didn't have the best of times with Mortal Kombat, what I can say is that they seem to have a lot of fun making it. It's a very silly, goofy game. It is. If you can stand the gore.
0: (laughs) Now, that story I told you about the title, there's a possibility the story is complete bullshit. Right. And the only reason why they called it Mortal Kombat with a K is because Mortal Kombat with a C was already trademarked.
1: That also makes sense.
0: I heard both get pulled up and I couldn't tell which one. The one with the Kumite merger thing. That's came from Ed Boon, but that doesn't necessarily make it true.
1: <laughs> it's a bit like how for Sonic the Hedgehog He said that Bill Clinton was an inspiration for Sonic, even though the timelines didn't line up.
0: Actually, I had someone come back to me on this one. Right. It's possible that does make sense. (laughs) Mortal Kombat was released in October 1992, 18 months after Street Fighter II, and it was a smash hit. Didn't go on to be as high grossing as Street Fighter was, but did go on to be a major player in the arcade scene. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter II had one of the biggest franchise rivalries in video game history bigger than battlefield and call of duty or forza and gran turismo the only one i think that could be bigger might be mario and sonic
1: who later made friends for that olympics game it's actually quite
0: a fun game i've got on switch
1: it is actually okay yeah
0: and then obviously they beat the shit out of each other in smash brothers yeah (laughs) honestly i don't think the fighting game genre would be anywhere near as huge without this rivalry
1: Mm -hmm.
0: mortal kombat made it so the genre went simply referred to as being Street Fighter clones.
1: I think we might have mentioned this in the first half, but wasn't Mortal Kombat also super famous for outraging moms and dads everywhere?
0: Not till its console release, a year later.
1: Right, see, that's interesting because these Mortal Kombat machines, which are definitely not suitable for little Timmy, mm-hmm. were sitting right next to like Pac-Man and Super Mario Bros. All the cool kids would gravitate towards Mortal Kombat, Which would mean all the younger kids would gravitate towards it. I'm very surprised that that outrage didn't happen then.
0: The difference being is that the parents were not in the arcades.
1: But they were in the living rooms.
0: Exactly. When it comes to the music of these games, I think they both bring something interesting to the table. Yoko Shimamura brings what is our first female representation to Gabe Design on this podcast by being the lead composer of Street Fighter 2 with some additional work by Izao Abe. Arcade games... Knew they were competing with other arcade games to be heard in the room. So Shimamura had this idea of making the music quite piercing and catchy. Yeah, yeah. So it could be heard over the din. If you listen to something like the original theme music, it's got this high-tempo energy to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs have got a high-tempo energy to them.
0: I'm going to play them all when we go through our characters, but you're going to notice that they're all very themed to the nationality of the character.
1: Right, okay.
0: They wanted the music to suit the stage, which is set in the nationality of that character.
1: Yeah, it's like each character in stage is a kind of representation of their country.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: In the other camp, you have Dan Forden doing the music for Mortal Kombat. He focused on a lot more on doing a dark, synthetic soundtrack with imposing drumming. Yeah. And this Asian influence give this game this trademark foreboding energy. If you hear some of the stage music, you're going to hear a lot of these dark, tribal drumming...
1: Like taiko drumming type deal?
0: Yeah, exactly, that type of drumming that just builds this anticipation for the fight. And I might say, well, this isn't music, but does need to be brought up. I fucking love Ed Boone's voice lines in this game. It's the developer Ed Boone who does the announcing for the game.
1: He's the one that shouts at you to finish him.
0: Yes. Um uh, phrasing?
1: <laughs> that sounds so dirty.
0: <laughs> and like, if you win without taking any damage, he's the one that comes on screen and goes, Flawless victory. He's just got this voice that's just dripping in personality. And he does the voice for Scorpion, oh. who has these loud shouts when he does his moves.
1: So, game music is designed to be repetitive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a feature, not a flaw. It's supposed to be able to loop as often as it needs to. Otherwise, you've got a problem of game songs stopping and starting mid-level. Level music doesn't tend to have lyrics a lot of the time. Yeah, You're going to notice when you're hearing the same song over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, there are some games that have tried this and it definitely has that effect.
1: Yeah. Like, you get some exceptions, but there's quite a lot of game music that's quite difficult to listen to as an album. Street Fighter 2, as I listened to more and more of it, I felt like I got quite bored of the album halfway through. Mm -hmm. As much as you feel that it's very evocative of the different countries, I'm not sure. There's some songs that do that, but for others, it's not quite as obvious. At least for me. But don't get me wrong. They are good songs. They sound really good in the game. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, different music has different purposes. Like, you know, would you listen to Muzak outside of context of being in a store type thing?
0: I understand that. We'll come back to the subject of character themes when we're going through the characters. Some definitely suit and some don't.
1: Mortal Kombat does a great job at what it was intended for, but it's not great to listen to as an album.
0: No, not really.
1: There's quite a lot of the songs that are very repetitive ideas mm-hmm. that if you're focusing on it, it really wears out as welcome. Like in the game, they're fine, but there's quite a lot of them that are just background music, apart from like a few complete bangers that are really iconic. These songs in the game, it's not too intrusive. Mm-hmm. It does stick very closely to the Kung Fu movie motif for better and for worse.
0: The music in Mortal Kombat is not there to be a jam. It's there very much for purpose.
1: To create tension, atmosphere, limbering up for a fight, taiko drums, that sort of thing.
0: Especially when you get to the bosses and you have that really kind of imposing sting to it. It makes it feel like you're about to do something incredibly difficult.
1: Definitely one of the most evocative tunes on that soundtrack, but mm. we'll get to that later.
0: Mm-hmm. It is definitely worth remembering that some music is not designed to be listened outside of the game. But it's perfect for the moment. Yeah. Both Fordin and Shimomura are still heavily involved with their franchises, even into recent releases.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, Fordon has a great claim to fame in the game. In all the subsequent releases, sometimes when you do like a very epic move, like an uppercut, mm-hmm. a little face will come in the bottom corner and just go, Toasty! It's a very sing song way of saying it.
1: In Mortal Kombat?
0: In Mortal Kombat, yeah.
1: Why Toasty?
0: As far as I understand, it was just something he used to do in the office. It made everyone laugh. And it just became a thing.
1: I mean, really evocative of those Kung Fu movies.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: The word toasty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was one of the iconic lines that Bruce Lee shouted out in Enter the Dragon.
0: <laughs> I know we're going to talk about your experience of the games, but there's not really a story to drape the whole thing round like we do in our previous episodes. So with this, we're going to talk very intensively about the characters. And we'll start with Street Fighter 2. There is a plot to Street Fighter, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, I think there is, but I've forgotten what it was.
0: I don't blame you for forgetting. It took me far too long to gather all the information for myself. They don't make it very easy to find it all.
1: I mean, I only really found out Chun-Li's backstory at the end of the game. And even then, it did not reveal all that much. I came out very confused.
0: So this is the best I can piece together the plot to Street Fighter. There's an evil criminal organisation called Shadaloo sha no,
2: no, no, blue. no, no, Just no. I'm right pushing the tree. <laughs> I'm so it. I'm sorry.
0: That, that is the name they've chosen. I believe it was meant to be Shadow Law, but with Japanese pronunciation of English words. For some reason, it got stuck as Shadow Law, and it's been that way since.
1: Ah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense.
0: So the criminal organization Shadow Law are holding a worldwide tournament to find the best fighters. As far as I can tell, the only prize of this tournament is just being called the strongest in the world, as I couldn't find any source if there was like a monetary prize or anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that.
0: But in secret, the tournament is actually for the leader who are recruiting the best fighters to join Shadaloo.
1: What do Shadowloo do exactly?
0: Evil things.
1: So, like, scientific bad things. Yes. Evil science company. Yes. We're going to create zombies because what could possibly go wrong?
0: Yes. I also have no idea. They're just an evil organisation with an evil boss that does evil because evil. (laughs) Honestly, finding the story of Street Fighter 2 has been such a fucking pain because like even the canonical ending of the game involves a character who isn't in the franchise yet. Right. It's clear that they went into Street Fighter giving so little care about what the plot was until it became relevant when it came round to doing sequels to built off to.
1: Right, okay.
0: Each fighter does have their own motivation for joining. Some are for the glory. Some are to get revenge on Shadowloo who have revealed themselves. And for one character, it's all about the challenge alone. Who was the character that you ended up using for your playthrough?
1: I played as Chun-Li. I had a few characters that I thought maybe I kind of fancied trying as Dalsim. That didn't gel with me. I tried as Ryu, didn't quite gel with me, but Chun-Li did. Her fighting styles actually informed how I fought in Mortal Kombat as well. The transition is not quite as good, but there are characters you can kinda do that sort of gameplay with. Maybe a little bit.
0: Now I do have the biography for all characters too. This has been sourced from the instruction manual, so actually it's something that's written down about this bloody game that I'm going to read out to you while playing their character themes in the background.
1: So this whole, we're going to put all the story in the instruction manual seems to be a recurring pattern for these games.
0: Yeah, back in the early 90s it was.
1: We don't have the memory to tell stories.
0: Unlike many other fighters, Chung li has not entered a tournament for personal glory. Instead, she's been tracking the movements of the international smuggling organisation known as Shadaloo. The trail has led her to the tournament, where she now believes one of the four heavenly kings is responsible for the disappearance of her father. That's the name they have for the four bosses you fight at the end of the game.
1: Not gonna lie, it sounds like how you would describe boys to men.
0: (laughs) I mean, when you think about the four bosses to this game, I think they can make a boy band, yeah. (laughs) Stunned by her good looks. Opponents often underestimate Chun-Li's ability to find themselves flattened by a few well-placed kicks. Chun-Li's quest for justice guides her life, but at the heart she's just a young girl who yearns to live a normal life
1: chun Lee's music is actually my favourite piece in the game. Mm-hmm. It uses a lot of uh, pentatonic scales. Mm-hmm. Scales that are like, you know, five notes. You'll recognise that sound in traditional Japanese music, but also in traditional Scottish and Irish music. It's a really nice sound. It is interesting that they do make sure to emphasise how pretty and single she is.
0: Yes, she is a pretty single female.
1: Yeah, I mean... Great, but is that relevant?
0: As this is an audio podcast, I would like to invite you to describe every character as we bring them up.
1: Mm-hmm. She's got quite pale skin mm-hmm. and brown hair in the kind of space buns type mm-hmm. thing. She wears this like beautiful long silk dress that's got but slits at the sides. Mm-hmm. Because it's easier for her to move around in, not for, you know, any other reason at all.
0: Nah, yeah. this is video games in the 90s. There's probably another reason involved.
1: Yes, absolutely. But you know what? I love the character designs. I'm not throwing stones.
0: Don't make it sound like she's some cutesy character. She has this very stone looking face.
1: And big anime eyes.
0: And thighs that could crush cars by the looks of them.
1: I mean, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. That's going in. in. No, (laughs) I don't know where that came from.
1: She's a really good character, hence why I decided yes, I'm playing as her. She's great. Chung Li is the only character
0: that was designed by Akira yasuda directly, Mm. and she was designed to be a lot more cutesy originally. He wanted to make her a lot more adorable and fun and bubbly. But this design ended up getting binned and they made her this more muscular figure to make her seem more on par with all the men.
1: So they decided against going for uwu waifu and decided, nah, let's be serious here. Would she actually be like that? Mm. Would people take her seriously if we made her like that?
0: I don't know, because they took the idea of a cutesy character and funneled it into a character in one of the later games called Sakura.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: What drove you then to choose Chung li as your favourite in this game?
1: chan lee is incredibly agile
0: Yes, she is easily the fastest playable character in the game
1: she is able to do a lot of kicks Mm -hmm. and a lot of different punches her throws are also really quick as well Mm -hmm. with her it's a lot easier to kind of outmaneuver your enemy
0: yeah she has a lot of great skills that she can take advantage of in the air
1: Yeah, like while she's in the air, she can jump on people's heads like Mario.
0: Yeah, she has this kind of stomp move that if you time it right, you can get three stumps in a row before you can then hit the floor.
1: Yeah. She also has this helicopter splits kick.
0: Yeah, the spinning bird kick.
1: Yes. I mean, it doesn't look very bird-like. It looks more like a helicopter, but okay.
0: I think that's because she is a bird, eh?
1: Oh, fuck me. Really? I don't know. I guess bird sounds cooler than helicopter. There's something kung fu about certain kinds of birds, but there's nothing kung fu about helicopter. Yeah. Okay, anyway, sorry. She spins around upside down, like, legs straight out across the stage, hitting the enemy and does quite a bit of damage.
0: Yeah, she is wing tight, so you don't get to see anything, all you pervs out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, even then, like, you can't get the right angle anyway. It's too fast.
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry, I Any- meant pervs in here then.
1: <laughs> Shut up. But it's actually quite difficult to pull off when you're fighting. You have to put quite a few buttons into it.
0: Yeah, she's one of the four what's called the charge characters.
1: What does that mean?
0: There's different ways to do special moves in this game. Sometimes you do a particular movement on the stick and then press a button. With some of the characters, though, you have to hold a direction for two seconds, push in the opposite direction and then hit a button. So you charge up the move first and then you hit.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: All the other characters who have charge moves have one where you move backwards and it's forward hit, and it allows them to be a lot more agile with their charge moves. Chung Li is the only character who doesn't have one going back. To do the spinning break you have to hold down, mm-hmm. which still can be used quite strategically, but the two seconds can kill you in preparing for a move.
1: Especially if you're up against a really fast character.
0: In later games, they reduce that to one second, and it's a lot more usable at that point. hmm But that's her one drawback is that the spinning bird kick is a bit of a useless move. Thankfully, you made use of the head stomp.
1: Yeah, it was fun. She also has a lightning kick where she kind of like does like a whole bunch of really rapid fire kicks, kick, 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 kick. And sometimes if you leave it charging too long, an enemy can end up taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah, but it is a great way to knock an opponent back and get yourself some room when you can start then planning your next move.
1: Yeah, it's quite good for that and also looks pretty cool yeah it does Mm.
0: so with your favourite character selected we're now going to go through the characters one by one that you fought on your way to the four heavenly kings Mm -hmm. first we have Ryu who serves as this game's default protagonist and was the character of choice for the first game in Street Fighter
1: yeah he was the Japanese buff fighty man I mentioned in the first half
0: yes A student of the Shotokan School of Karate, Ryu has developed into a pure warrior. He has devoted his entire life to the perfection of his fighting skills, and has left everything else in his life. Ryu has no home, no friends, and no family. Instead, he wanders the globe seeking to test his skill against other fighters.
1: Not gonna lie, that sounds like a nervous breakdown waiting to happen.
0: No, fighting is all he needs in life.
1: He doesn't need no women, doesn't need no cars, doesn't need no house. He got the fight.
0: Yes, he doesn't need no women. He doesn't need that level of fighting.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not quite adept at that type of fighting.
0: <laughs> Probably the strongest all-round fighter, Ryu has claimed the title of world champion after his narrow defeat of Sagat. plot the first game. Right. Cool and calculating, Ryu is very patient in combat. When Ryu observes weakness, he moves quickly to dispatch his opponents. With the awesome power of his dragon punch.
1: See, I was expecting Ryu to be a bit more of a Mary Sue. A Mary Ryu, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) His only flaw is that he cares too much.
0: No, his only flaw is that all he cares about is fucking pasting your face in.
1: Yeah, pretty much. He wore a white karate gi. He has, like, dark hair, bare feet. He looks like he owns a small dojo.
0: He's always been the de facto protagonist of the whole franchise. Mm. So when it was time to design this game, Ryu was considered the base state. All characters would be compared to Ryu. So, for example, Chung Li designed to be faster than Ryu. Right. Ryu has all the same moves he has from the first game, including his three special moves. He has what we previously mentioned, the Dragon Punch, or is better known as the Shoryuken.
1: Oh, the uppercut one? Yeah. yeah. That actually...
0: In all the special moves in this game, I think that's the only one you couldn't perform.
1: Yeah, I don't remember why that was.
0: You have to do this kind of Z with the controller.
1: That's why it's very hard to do a Z even with the joystick. And the, do a Z as quickly.
0: Yeah, the movement just completely fucks you up. It's one of those things that it took me a while to learn too. But once you learn it, it's such a satisfying move.
1: I can imagine.
0: He also has the Hadouken.
1: Hadouken! Hadouken! So, oh my god, that sounded really racist. That's the way he says it.
0: How would you describe the Hidouken?
1: Um, he puts his palms together and claws his hands and then a bolt of energy shoots from his hands. Yeah,
0: essentially just releases a fireball.
1: He like does the fireballs from Mario, but like with two hands rather than one.
0: And that is the move, which I am literally Googling right now because I can never bloody pronounce it. The Tatsumaki Senpuyaku.
1: The what? Tatsumaki
0: senpai-yaku! The weird hurricane kick he does.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he just kind of jumps in the air, one leg out, and just spins this t- like a top and just goes across the screen.
1: A bit like Chun-Li's flying bird kick, but with one leg instead of two.
0: And without going upside down, yeah.
1: He cannot do the splits. No, he cannot. One thing he didn't learn in his deeply extensive fighter training.
0: Yep, that's his drawback.
1: Again,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's quite a bog standard character. I did show you him, but you weren't too impressed with his moves, were you?
1: Eh, yeah. I really like that bullshit spin kick he does, yep. which is great when you're playing as him.
0: My editor, Mark, did always to that as being the bullshit will kick based on that audio clip that I played a moment ago.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's great when you're playing as him. It's awful when you're playing against him. Yes. I also like the fireballs. They're a really good distance attack.
0: Yeah. Chung Lee gets those in a later game. She gets her own fireball she can do.
1: Oh, Brilliant. What I didn't like about Ryu was that he's not as jumpy or agile as Chun-Li. Like, he's quite agile, but not quite as.
0: No, again, Chun-Li is supposed to be more agile than Ryu. It's literally like the design of her. That's the mentality.
1: You know, as you said, I couldn't do his dragon punch, Mm -hmm. which was really frustrating. And I also found, like, he has the three special moves, sure, but they are quite tricky. With fighting against him, you have to get right up in his face with quick attacks Mm -hmm. because his distance attacks, like, you know, the fireball and stuff is really good. That spinning kick is something he also does from a distance. Mm -hmm. If you get up close, don't let him get too far away and just keep hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. Well, at least as Chun-Li, in my experience, if you're able to be fast and get up close to him, then he won't be able to use his strengths against you.
0: Although it is worth pointing out that the dragon punch definitely punishes you if you get way too in the face.
1: Yeah, one thing about these fighting games, and I think this applies to most of them, is that if you keep doing the same move over and over again, they will anticipate you doing that move and counter it. Mm -hmm. So you have to change tack quite a fair bit to keep them on their toes.
0: That's usually true, but there are some exploits you can definitely take advantage of that we were definitely using when we got to some of the later fights in Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat.
1: I mean even then they still had that element but I know what you mean
0: Mm -hmm. After Ryu though you also have his rival and the other character who was playable in Street Fighter 1 Ken
1: Yeah
0: A disciple of the Shotokan school of karate Ken Masters is a natural athlete Unfortunately his natural fighting skill fuels his giant ego and he is constantly reminding his opponents that he is the greatest fighter of all time
1: Yeah of course he is that makes sense
0: for the past year, he has let his skills deteriorate and has spent most of his time on the bench with his girlfriend Eliza.
1: Yeah, we didn't see much of Eliza.
0: Not till his ending though. Yeah, yeah. Only a challenge from his old training partner Ryu has rekindled his fighting spirit. Brash and arrogant, Ken Masters loves to show off during a fight. After knocking his opponents senseless with a fireball, he loves to stand over his opponents and laugh at them.
1: So even Ryu, whose whole thing is uh, fighting, so hang on—they're not rivals as such. They're old sparring partners.
0: I would call them rivals. They're essentially each other's benchmark.
1: Mm, I don't know about that. I think it depends on like you know how much envy there was involved. Which who knows?
0: You can be friends with your rival. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's true. I mean I'm friends with Mio. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> My rival in Pokemon. Ken has got this mane of blonde hair. Yes. Which. He probably should have it tied back, but it's a cartoon fighty game for big boys. Who cares? Mm-hmm. He wears a red karate gi yep. with a black belt. I think Ryu and Ken are both black belts. Yes. Yeah, because they're the best buff fighty boys.
0: Yes. So essentially he has blonde hair, but other than that, he looks exactly like Ryu, but with a red gi.
1: And yeah, it's white. He's actually from America, I think. Yes. So we'll get to that significance in a little bit.
0: And he does play exactly like Ryu. I'm not going to spend much time explaining his moves. They're the exact same as Ryu's.
1: Yeah, he plays exactly the same as Ryu and that's it. I can't do the dragon punch, so I missed every benefit that I could have got from Ken.
0: By later games, they split Ryu and Ken where they have better moves than each other. Ryu gets a better Hadouken, his fireball, and Ken gets a better Shoryuken, the dragon punch.
1: Sorry Ken, but if you want to play as Ryu with He-Man hair, Ken's got you covered.
0: Next fighter we have is another character hailing from Japan and is the sumo wrestler E. Honda.
1: Yeah, he is a master of a different kind of martial art. Yes. Edmund Honda. That's what the E stands for.
0: Yes. I don't know how it landed on Edmund, but Edmund it is. Edmund Honda has been trained since birth to take his place. As the greatest sumo wrestler to step into the ring.
1: I'm sorry, trained since birth? Yeah, pretty much. But but how is a, a baby supposed to do sumo wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, re- I'm really sorry, I don't know. I can understand, you know, them doing martial arts at a young age is very common, but since birth?
0: Yeah, apparently so.
1: No, my brain's broken. Sorry, <laughs> carry on.
0: Upon receiving the title of Yokozuna, Grand Champion, Honda was shocked to learn that the rest of the world did not consider sumo wrestling as a true sport.
1: Which is incredibly unfair.
0: Outraged, he has vowed to prove that sumo wrestlers are the greatest fighters in the world.
1: I can understand why he would be angry at that considering how hard sumo wrestlers train. Mm -hmm. It is intense and rigorous and takes up like their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, totally get that.
0: A strict disciplinarian, Honda guides his pupils with a stern hand. He understands that goals are reached only through hard work and dedication.
1: Just by looking at him you can tell that that's what he's like.
0: Yeah, and that also exactly explains how you got through these games. Uh, yeah! Quick and extremely powerful, Honda's greatest advantage is his size. He loves to pound his opponents into corners and knock them out.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm sorry, it's just like he loves to pound his opponents into a corner.
0: Yeah, I just got that when he's love like, you can see the <laughs> he loves to pound his opponents into the corners and knock them out with a quick flurry of his hundred hand slap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just when you read that aloud. I- I'm so sorry, it's so
1: insensitive, but it's oh fine. my god, it sounds so dirty. <laughs> that
0: is one of his special moves, is the hundred hand slap.
1: I mean, not the worst special move in the world. <laughs> honda is a sumo wrestler he's got like the traditional hair very um very reminiscent of traditional japanese art because you got like a whole bunch of them that have got that sort of look he's a sumo wrestler that has kabuki face paint Mm -hmm. so kabuki is a style of japanese theater yes so really like you know infusing all the traditions that japan wants to get across to the west
0: yeah he's also wearing a yukata around his waist that's been folded off his arms
1: it's kind of like a kimono that you wear in summer i think
0: yes it also was worth pointing out i mean he's a he's a big boy he's quite chubby yeah but he has got a six-pack on him he just looks incredibly powerful
1: which i'm surprised that he's got a six-pack and a belly i didn't know you could do that
0: I'm not going to say if it's accurate or not, because I really can't say I know that much. But he does have this great look of power to him. Yeah. How would you describe the hundred hand slap?
1: Um, it's a bit like Chun-Li's lightning kick. Yeah. But it's with a punch instead of a kick.
0: Oh, a slap. But yeah, but like an open palm strike. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Open palm strike. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So he gets that move as well.
1: Mm hmm. He does an attack where he dives at the opponent, which does a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. He's got some really good grapple attacks. Mm-hmm. He is surprisingly agile for a heavier character.
0: Yeah, he walks slowly, but he does have some great dive-ins.
1: Yeah, he's got some great dive-ins and can jump quite well. Yeah. which surprised me. But he's not quite as fast as some of the other characters, despite all these advantages. He's like not the best at jumping, but it's a lot. When you're playing as him, it's a lot easier and a lot better than what you think.
0: Yeah, he's such a strange character because while Ryu is Japanese, he's not really designed to be very Japanese looking. Yeah. This man is designed to be a stereotype of Japan. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to see how the Japanese would make a stereotypical Japanese person.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, infusing a lot of different Japanese traditions and things that are Japanese. It's kind of like how stereotyping scottish people as like you know wearing the full highland garb and maybe some blue face paint possibly if you're Mm -hmm. feeling spicy with an iron brewer of whiskey in his hand i think it's kind of like that
0: one of the weirder things though is that his stage is based in a japanese bathhouse
1: i mean how do you manage to fight in a japanese bathhouse
0: sweatily (laughs)
1: that you could still slip yeah that's a slipping hazard I'm just saying not very practical
0: next up we're off to Brazil to fight the wild beast man that is Blanca very little is known about the bizarre fighter from the jungles of Brazil for years the natives have reported seeing a half man half beast roaming the rainforests But it was only within the last year that the beast named Blanca appeared in the cities of Brazil. and would challenge any fighter who would dare oppose him. Normally passive and docile, when enraged, Blanca attacks like an uncaged animal. Blanca uses his speed and agility to inflict maximum damage on his opponents. He often uses his claws and razor sharp teeth to shred his opponents into small pieces.
1: Passive and docile unless he's angry.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You won't like him when he's angry
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm just imagining like snow white singing with all the animals in the amazon jungle Mm -hmm. and then the poachers come along that's when the fangs come out yeah he is a big scary monster man who does not look particularly brazilian
0: i think he's supposed to be like a wild man who's found in the amazon jungle
1: yeah yeah he is a scary monster man with a big mane of hair that goes right down his back he's got like fangs and green skin how
0: did you not open with the green skin (laughs)
1: it's like the
0: most obvious weird things about him how do you describe blanker green skin is where i start
1: but he's a big scary monster man first and foremost okay yes green man makes him sound like like one of those aliens (laughs) which i don't think he's an alien
0: Uh, no he is very much a human as you remember from his ending but yes he is a monster man with green skin and orange hair
1: and very long toenails yep he does As you would living in the Amazon jungle. Oh shit,
0: I've just realised, I think he might just be the Hulk. He's got green skin, he's all angry and enraged, and he fights like a beast.
1: But the Hulk isn't ginger.
0: Okay, a Scottish Hulk then.
1: He's not Scottish, he's Brazilian. Mm. You'll not like me when I'm raging!
0: Blanca was a massive fan favourite when we were growing up. Like, a lot of the kids I remember loved Blanca.
1: I can understand that.
0: Yeah, he just stands out compared to the rest.
1: He's actually got a really good grappling move where he straight up grabs you by the shoulders and bites into your head. Yeah. Which, owie.
2: <laughs> yep, yep.
1: So you've got to be fast, basically, to try and avoid that grapple attack. Mm-hmm. He's also got this move where he can, like, roll into a ball forward flip in your direction and hit you that way
0: yeah it's kind of a lot like e honda's flying headbutt
1: a little bit like e honda's fighting style combined with ryu and ken's yeah he's more agile
0: he also does have his very notable special move where he starts going full pikachu
1: i was just thinking that (laughs) blanca where he curls into a ball and was all electrified. So yeah. if you go near him, you'll get an electric shock.
0: There is an incredibly cheap way to play this game. If you hit someone with that move, they fly away electrified. You have just enough time to jump over to their body as is lying before they get up and start the move again. So the minute they get up, they get hit by electricity again.
1: Also, what contributed to him being a fan favorite, I imagine.
0: Yes, he is cheaper than. I was going to make he's a cheaper than comparison, but nothing's cheap right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, the bar is not high. I found when I was playing as him that he's quite slow and not great against distance fighters.
0: That charge can help, but he does come flying forward, which puts him perfectly in line to something like Ryu and Kenta Doken.
1: Yeah. I think I found that when I was playing as Blanca versus Ryu.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But once you've beat Blanca, you then go into the brute from what was once the USSR, Zangief. Many believe that Zangief, the Red Cyclone, had entered a tournament out of fierce respect for his country, but they were only partially correct. Zangief loves his country, but he loves to stomp on his opponents even more. What would you expect from a man who wrestles bears for fun? What? That's what he does when he's bored, yep.
1: I know he's Russian, but like, I don't think Russians do that. I don't know very many Russian people, so I could be wrong, (laughs) but I don't think they do that.
0: Good natured and with a good sense of humour, Zangief loves to fight. He left the Russian Wrestling Federation because of its lack of competition, and now seeks suitable opponents wherever he could find them
1: so okay a different type of fighting style but for clarification this is not wwe fake wrestling
0: yes it fucking is
1: no it's actual fake that's more like dance than a martial art
0: this is from an era when kayfabe still existed so uh, wrestling was real back then At least perceived that way mostly
1: so this is wrestling as we know it but before people knew that it was a choreography
0: exactly right Totally fearless, Zangief is more than willing to walk into a punch as long as he can grab his opponent and drive them into the pavement with his spinning pile driver.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Like I know that Like I'm so immature.
0: It is a wrestling move called a pile driver.
1: I know it's a wrestling move, darling.
0: I don't get how it's E-Honda trying to prove the legitimacy of sumo wrestling and not Zangief trying to prove the legitimacy of pro wrestling.
1: He fights bears for fun. He doesn't need to prove nothing to no one.
0: Yeah. So yes, Zangief.
1: He is a wrestler.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's got this short mohawk haircut type thing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's got a name, but I don't know what it is. And he wears this kind of singlet type thing, like an old fashioned wrestler would.
0: Yeah, it's just red trunks essentially with a yellow belt.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's probably my least favorite character to play because he's just a tank. He moves really slowly.
0: Yeah, he is the tallest character in the game. Hmm and although weirdly enough doesn't have the best reach that's a character still to talk about
1: for someone who's so tall he does not have the best reach
0: yeah and right. he's also the strongest character in the game he has the highest power per hit but yeah. that's balanced by being incredibly slow and having some mm. of the worst special moves big lumbering wrestler man how was he to control
1: actually a bit shit yeah but then remember i play as chun lee he is the exact opposite play style to chun lee
0: Big, massive hitbox you could just stomp on his head as many times.
1: But he hits hard. If you could play him right, you could probably catch characters as they're trying to get an agile attack. Mm-hmm. He has a lot more grapple attacks because he's a big, tough boy who mm-hmm. doesn't agile very much. The combo and the fight sticks pretty straightforward because it is like his special attack you're basically hitting all three of the punch buttons on the fight stick.
0: Yeah, and he does this like spinning lariat with both his arms out.
1: Which is pretty cool, not going to yeah. lie. So quite straightforward on the fight stick. But on the controller, I don't think it's that straightforward.
0: Not if you're using a four button controller, you need to use the shoulder buttons.
1: Yeah, yeah. But as we've said, he is far too slow and there's a bunch of his combos that are very hard to execute.
0: Yeah, his spinning powerbomb move is a fucking nightmare. You have to like do a full circle with the controller and Then press a button
1: Yeah If I thought Ryu's and Ken's moves were hard His are much worse Yeah I had the least fun playing as him
0: Back to America And if E. Honda was the stereotypical Japanese character We now have Guile Who's the stereotypical American character Guile? Guile A former member of the elite special forces team Guile and his co-pilot Charlie Were captured during a mission to Thailand six years ago After many months of imprisonment, he and Charlie managed to escape from their jungle prison. During their perilous escape to civilization, Charlie was recaptured and Guile has been consumed with vengeance ever since. Guile's calm and emotionless exterior hides inside rage. Driven by his need for revenge, he will let nothing stand in his way. Using a unique blend of special forces training and street fighting skills, Guile is a force to be reckoned with.
1: Gweeley is this American army guy who's spent all his rations on hair gel for yes. that stupid quiff that he's got. Like if Bart Simpson did a lot of drugs.
0: <laughs> Steroids, specifically, I have to say. N-
1: no, I, no, I remember him like in some of the photos, like in the end fight screens being quite lean. Mm-hmm. He's got this American army uniform, dog tags and all.
0: Yeah, and a tattoo over the American flag on his arm.
1: I mean, I thought he was Canadian when I first saw him.
0: <laughs> you can imagine how Western audiences felt. We saw this character that the Japanese had made to be disgustingly stereotypical American with his green army fatigues and his America tattoo and his dog tags. You can easily imagine how they reacted with absolute adulation It became an American favourite.
1: They do like their patriots and their army stuff. They're really proud of their country, want to serve in the army, that sort of thing. So, Gully's got these Sonic Booms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which are basically like the Hadoukens. Mm-hmm. So clearly, street fighting, you gotta have those anime energy bolt powers.
0: Yeah, he's one of three characters that gets a really good fireball move, and his is the Sonic Boom.
1: It is an absolute pest to fight against. Mm-hmm. At that point, he was the hardest fight that I had. Sweet summer child. Is all I can say about that. But I had like this visceral primal rage. I guess like Gaal had as well. (laughs) Except I couldn't hide it underneath a cold, emotionless exterior because I don't really have a cold, emotionless exterior. (laughs) As you can probably tell.
0: One of the things that really caught me off guard though, after the end of every fight, there's a little line that comes up that the winner says to the loser. And a very old running joke from this game, when Guile wins, he says, go home and be a family man, which is really funny when he says it to Chun-Li. He doesn't say that in this game. Right. That's from the consoles. In the original arcade, he actually goes, are you man enough to fight me? Which is still funny when he's saying that to (laughs) Chun-Li. Admittedly, admittedly, though, she is definitely man enough to fight Guile. Yes. Yes, she definitely has that already. (laughs) Before we move on, is there any other victory lines that caught your attention?
1: so ryu says you must defeat sheng long to stand a chance against me yes it does i have never seen sheng long in the game at all i've been wondering who the fuck he is is it ryu's dad his grandpa his friend with benefits (laughs) his pilates instructor some guy he knows on tinder some someone in his knitting club who is sheng long it has been bugging me for all the time we've been playing street fighter has annoyed me tell me who the fuck sheng long is (sighs)
0: sheng long right this line you must defeat sheng long to stand a chance has to be hands down the greatest mistranslation in video games right the original quote in the Japanese game was, you must defeat Dragon Punch to stand a chance. Dragon Punch being Shoryu Ken, and the characters for Shoryu in Japanese are the exact same characters for Shenglong in Chinese.
1: That is a monumentous mistranslation.
0: Right, okay. The character of Sheng Long baffled the fuck out of people... For years.
1: Because, yes.
0: In the original instruction manual, the American arm of Capcom decided to make it that Sheng Long was Ryu and Ken's master. The version I've read out doesn't include that because they had it removed because this is not the canon. Because there was a lot of talk about Ken and Ryu's master, the person that taught them Shokuten Karate, they decided to fix this whole they invented a character of their sensei into the canon called Goken. Goken has now appeared in video games and was a playable character as of Street Fighter 4. He is only the first character who has been created on the back of the Shenglong myth. The second I'll discuss later. Also, needs to be said the Street Fighter, the movie, the game, yes, that is a thing, no, I will not explain it, did them no favours by putting into their lore that Long was Ryu and Ken's master. It is the only in-game explanation ever given to Sheng Long in something that's definitely not canon.
1: So uh, Sheng Long is basically an incomprehensible Lovecraftian god who drives everyone who comes across his name insane?
0: Essentially yes, yeah.
1: That is actually, not gonna lie, kinda disappointing.
0: <laughs> I know. I've been building up for fucking
1: weeks. I know! Fuck you!
0: And finally, the last playable character of the eight... We take a trip to India to find the mystic known as Dalsim. Over the course of his life, Dalsim has sought to unify his mind, body and soul through the discipline of yoga. Now, as he nears his goal, Dalsim must test his skills before he can rise to a higher state of consciousness. By controlling his mind and body, Dalsim is able to extend his arms and legs to great distances. However, Dalsim's greatest skill is his patience. He knows that he does not stand a chance at a slugging match. Instead, he concentrates on his unique abilities to keep his enemies at a distance and to slowly wear them down. While Dalsim will do everything he can to win, he will never hurt his opponent more than necessary.
1: Apart from the breathing fire and burning them,
0: that was necessary
1: it was self-defense your honor i burned him alive with my fire breath out of self-defense
0: yeah which is strange because he calls the move his yoga fire
1: Uh, that's that's not what yoga is i know i wish you could do that with yoga that'd be so cool
0: we've been doing yoga for a few years now when the hell do i get to start breathing fire (laughs) yeah i even tried ddp yoga and he didn't get anything about fire
1: (laughs) it's very interesting that the representative of india is portrayed as a mystic wizard man who breathes fire, has a skull necklace and stretchy arms.
0: Yep, yep.
1: I don't think there's a stereotype of Indians having stretchy arms or breathing fire, as far as I know, but there is a whole thing with associating India with mysticism. Like, I think there still is this whole... New age hippie spiritual movement that fetishized it a bit, and you get a lot of mystic men who take advantage of gullible westerners.
0: Yeah, that and probably a mix of (laughs) Vindaloos.
1: What the fire breathing due to like curry or something?
0: That's that's obviously what it's going for.
1: I think that is what it's going for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it does come from a, a bit of a misunderstanding of what yoga actually is, which. The more people who have done yoga, the more people are aware of like, okay, there's the mastering of mind and body. That's quite a big part of it. But you don't get that stretchy from yoga.
0: Yeah, because he has like rubber limbs, essentially.
1: Like Mr. Fantastic, but Indian. Mm -hmm. Exactly how I described him in our first half. So I was right.
0: As a kid, I used to love him because he had some of the cheapest long distance punching kicks, which I mastered as a kid.
1: He's also Sikh, I think, because he's got like the turban. There's the assumption there, but I don't know whether that's just because people often associate the turban with India.
0: I'm not sure which religion is the one that gives you fire powers from yoga. I'm sorry, but it has to be said, Dalsim is the most racist character in this game.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: As we said during our design section, stereotyping is just something the designers did to help accentuate their characters.
1: It's shorthand, really.
0: Yeah, I just think with Dalsim, they just went a little too far.
1: Stupid shorthand. For lack of a better term.
0: Yeah. How is he to control?
1: He's actually quite good to control. The fire attacks are great. Mm -hmm. There's two different ones. You've got one from a distance and one up close one. Mm -hmm. The stretchy arm punches and kicks, they're probably one of the better distance attacks in the game. Mm -hmm. What I didn't enjoy quite so much is that his better attacks and special moves are very finicky. The yoga fire, as good as it is, you need to find your thumbs with it. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, his stage is in india where the music is good it's really good music but it has these really physically painful elephant noises which i think is just the quality of the audio back then Mm -hmm. it ruins that stage for me and i like elephants as well they make some cute noises but just not in this game Mm
0: -hmm. it's going off every other second this noise and it's very irritating before we get to the bosses I do want to quickly mention this that between the rounds you actually get a few bonus stages.
1: Yeah you kick the shit out of a car.
0: Yeah there's one where you have to break a car as quickly as you can.
1: Which I mean holy shit.
0: As far as I can tell the car that's being destroyed has a strong resemblance to a Toyota so you playing as Chung li and destroying this car is maybe the most anti-Japanese propaganda we can think of.
1: Having said that it depends what kind of car it is. Might be product placement.
0: It's not officially, it just looks resembles it.
1: Yeah, but still, if it looks like a certain car, maybe product placement. Depending on who owns that car and how bad a time they're having with it, maybe kind of cathartic, depending on how shit an experience you've had with that car.
0: Yeah. There's two other special stages that involve destroying barrels.
1: Is that not like Donkey Kong?
0: Yeah, it's not as iconic as the car one. The car one is definitely something that Street Fighter 2 is remembered for. You have to destroy a car within 30 seconds. Once you've defeated all of the other seven characters in the game, you will then get to challenge the four heavenly gods who are the four members of Shadaloo who serve as the final bosses of the game. First off, we have the Las Vegas boxer named Balrog. A former heavyweight champion, Balrog was barred from professional boxing after he ignored the rules of the ring. Wild and aggressive, Balrog now makes his living brawling in the streets of Las Vegas and occasionally picking up a buck as a hired muscle for M. Bison. Subscribing to the theory that whatever hits the hardest wins, Balrog is all brawn. Well, he can be easily outsmarted, few fighters have the strength and tenacity.
1: Except for me.
0: Except for you and chun Lee.
1: Yeah. So Balrog is Mike Tyson with neither Mike nor Tyson?
0: Not anymore, no
1: not anymore (laughs) i mean that's what he looks like in street Fighter 2 to be fair
0: just for the listeners i will own up here yes i am using the american names but i will explain why when we get to the final boss character
1: absolutely no sense why they decided to do it but here we are
0: oh there's definitely a reason why they had to call this character balrog but yes he looks exactly like mike tyson in his character image at the start of the fight Mm -hmm. he's a very interesting fighter because he doesn't do kicks ever
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a boxer. Mm -hmm. You don't really do kicks in boxing.
0: So he only fights using punches. Mm -hmm. Also, he's pointing out the four boss characters are not playable in this version of the game. So we're just going to talk about them through having to fight them.
1: So I remember him being difficult, but the fact that he couldn't kick was a bit of an advantage. I could jump around him and attack him fast and from a distance.
0: He has awful air attacks.
1: Yeah, I mean... He's a boxer. He punches. Mm -hmm. That's his thing. And I basically realised that he's got a certain rhythm Mm -hmm. to what he does. And my kicks stretched longer than his punches did. So that made it quite a bit easier.
0: Yeah, you got through him quite easily. Yes. After this, though, came a name that I know strikes fear into your heart. Oh, no. Of the Spaniard named Vega. (gasps) of noble blood, Vega has successfully blended the Japanese art of ninjutsu with the skills he learned as a bullfighter. The result is a beautiful yet fearsome ballet which earned him the nickname the Spanish Ninja. Vain and egotistical, Vega lives by the philosophy that beauty is strength, Despising anything ugly, Vega views himself as perfect and uses a mask to prevent his face from being scarred in battle. Used by Bison primarily as an assassin, Fagan often dispatches his opponents using his claw.
1: He is a Spanish pretty boy with blonde hair and a mask. Mm -hmm. It's basically just a face helmet because he's one of those guys who's very good looking and knows he's good looking and Mm -hmm. can get away with things because he's good looking. And he has like a Wolverine claw, Mm -hmm. which is really cheap. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. I don't. I want a fucking weapon. I want Wolverine Claws. Why didn't I get Wolverine Claws? Hmm. This handsome prick broke me. And not in the good way.
0: Yes, he did.
1: I had... How many attempts did it take me to beat him again?
0: With other characters, it only took you about five, maybe up to ten attempts to beat some of them, especially the bosses. With Vega, it took you 40.
1: 40 attempts and five autistic meltdowns in a row. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, when I say that that man broke me, I'm not exaggerating.
0: Yes. Vega is the only character in the game who is faster than Chun-Li.
1: It's not fair.
0: So as someone who was absolutely exploiting Chun-Li's speed to win your fights, this was the one fight that all your strategies fell apart.
1: I just, it was one of those things I just didn't know what to do Mm because like everything I could do, he could do better.
0: Yes. He literally can do anything better than you.
1: So it was quite a surprise after the 40th time I managed to actually beat him. Funnily enough... We looked up a walkthrough on how to beat him Mm -hmm. because we were both really struggling at it. Yes. You tried to show me how to do it and couldn't do it. No, I could not. This walkthrough, I noticed that the guy kind of fluked his way through that fight. Mm -hmm. But like this fluke, this technique was something I'd never be able to replicate. So it was useless. I was in real despair. But still... Vega does three jumps at the start every single fight mm-hmm. so on the third what I did was I jumped higher than him and used a throw yes he never sees it coming
0: Chung Li is one of the few characters that does get an air throw and you use that to his advantage to catch him as much as you can
1: yes Then I'd keep jump mid-kicking as that's a travelling kick. Mm -hmm. What really frustrated me was they did this really cheap move Mm -hmm. where he'd climb up the wall.
0: And be totally invulnerable while he's doing it.
1: Totally invulnerable while he's doing it. There was no way to get him while Mm -hmm. he was climbing and then jump down.
0: Both arms extended out in a V.
1: Yeah, it was impossible. But I think you pointed out that if you keep jumping, you'll most likely miss you.
0: Yes, you just have to if you're jumping away from where he's targeting you, then by the time he actually does the jump, you're well out of dodge for it.
1: Yeah, which was pretty good. My problem was I kept like trying to get up close and then spamming attacks frantically and really depleting his health before he could get serious, but that didn't work. That was a really bad idea. No. It's one of those things. It's so hard with these fights, but you need to keep calm and keep the same pace as you're going, keep using your strategies. And don't deviate from them.
0: Absolutely. Vega is limited the fact he has also got the weakest defence in the game.
1: Right, so yeah.
0: So moves hit him harder than any other character. So you are only going to get a few small hits in them. But with Vega, that's actually the best way to really do your
2: damage.
1: Yeah, it's like you only need a few hits but make them count. Mm-hmm. Eventually I beat him. And after that, I just felt numb.
0: Yeah, we did have to stop at this point and let you get a bit of a breather.
1: I needed to take a good, long breather, play some Animal Crossing and listen to Joanna Newsome who I discovered really recently. Her stuff's incredible. If you like Bjork and Fiona Apple, you'll have a great time with her.
0: Once you beat Vega, I had to give you a level of catharsis. Now, one of the things I told you was that a fight between Chung Li and Vega is actually quite iconic to the franchise. Mm -hmm. And punctuated this by showing you the fight scene from Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, where Chun-Li fights Vega. Mm-hmm. Just you get to enjoy watching her kick him through the wall and out the top floor of a building.
1: It's a very well animated fight scene.
0: Or oh, the whole... Like, it's, it's such a dichotomy that they came out about the same time. You have the awful Street Fighter live-action movie. Funnily enough, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile.
1: Oh, I remember you saying, yeah, yeah.
0: And... Shucks opposing posing that with the anime movie they did, which is incredible. And it's one of the few times where I can absolutely say hand on heart that the American dub is better than the Japanese version because they changed the soundtrack and used contemporary rock music that just defines so much of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: On to the next boss character in Thailand named Sagat. Now, this character was actually the final boss of Street Fighter 1. Mm-hmm. You may have noticed he has a giant scar on his chest
1: yeah why is that
0: that was dealt to him by ryu in the first game when he won how he gave him a shoryuken across his chest and just ripped his chest open
1: oh man
0: not like violently but just across the skin and made him bleed
1: he gave him a scar that ripped him across his chest not violently
0: it didn't kill him this wasn't a fatality
1: no it's st- It's still violent! This is a fighting game, Sandro, you can't do anything not violently in a fighting game!
0: (laughs) Known as the Emperor of Muay Thai, Sagat once reigned supreme as the King of Street Fighters until his narrow defeat at the hands of Ryu that left him with a scar across his torso. Humiliated at this loss, he now plans to regain the title at any cost. Sagat's Muay Thai fighting style is thought to be the most powerful in the world. With the exception of Bison, no other fighter comes close to his overall fighting ability.
1: Except me!
0: (laughs) At heart an honourable man, Sagat is tortured by his loss to Ryu and will side with anyone who will give him the chance or experience needed to regain the title. So apart from the scar, how would you describe Sagat?
1: He's a tall boy who is a Muay Thai fighter.
0: Yeah, tallest in the game
1: tallest in the game he spams moves so he's pretty fast he's also bald and has an eye patch yeah you know he's got like the big muay thai shorts mm-hmm. which i used to go to a muay thai uh gym before did you yeah yeah this was when i was younger and i was not very good i don't think i went there for very long but the fights are quite they're quite intense <laughs> at least to me a weak mild-mannered child <laughs> He spams moves so he's pretty fast.
0: Yeah, he has two moves that he loves to use. The tiger uppercut and the tiger wave.
1: Two tigers.
0: Both times he'll just shout the word
1: Tiger! So I mean he's the original Tiger King then.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Damn you, Carol Baskin. The good thing about Chun-Li is that she is faster.
0: Yes, and him being so tall gives him a massive hitbox.
1: It did take a bit of time Mm -hmm. but if you keep spamming moves faster than him and jump around him and everything like that he's a lot easier to beat that way
0: this gave you the only advantage i think you use to get through and just finally beat him this finally brings you to the last character in the game from parts unknown we have m bison the leader of shadaloo never has a man been more cloaked in secrecy than m bison
1: i mean quite literally he also wears a cloak
0: yeah interestingly enough at the start of the fight he'll throw his cloak off that was a holdover from an animation plan where they were going to give every character an intro action at
1: the right. start of the fight right
0: all the other ones got cut but his remained ah ever since he emerged to lead the international crime organization shadaloo the world has been awed by the incredible power at his command Seen as a master of evil, Bison rules over his empire with an iron fist. Preferring to let his underlings do most of his dirty work, Bison only unleashes his powerful psychic abilities, the so called psycho power, when absolutely necessary. Unmatched in power and agility, Bison reigns supreme as the world's greatest street fighter.
1: Psycho Power What's ce say? Fa-fa-fa-fa Fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa
0: <laughs> He a final big bad
1: Yeah He's dressed up Kinda like a Nazi mm-hmm. Which I mean That's a real signifier For evil nowadays I mean you're talking about Cultural shorthand Yeah <laughs> His outfit is pretty much all red. Mm-hmm. So red is universally a colour that symbolises danger. Yeah. So he's just in this like big leathery looking suit. So C.M. Bison. Yeah. Does it stand for Millicent? No. Does it stand for Maliki? No. Maverick?
0: As far as we can tell, it should stand for Mike, but there's a little problem with it. For it's not his name. In the original Japanese version, the name M. Bison did not belong to the dictator in Red U to subscribe there. Oh. It was originally the name of the boxer, who we now know as Balrog.
1: Right, okay.
0: So M. Bison is supposed to be Mike Bison, and did you remember that comparison you made earlier this episode?
1: yes
0: he looks like mike tyson
1: who i think was he not embroiled in a lot of controversy because he's beating up his girlfriend or something
0: i can't remember if that's now later but either way they thought well mike tyson is a very well-known celebrity he's just done his own video game for nintendo a few years back
1: oh i didn't know that punch out Punch out! Of course! Definitely getting put on this
0: podcast at some point.
1: Yeah, where I decide to go to the speedrunning community.
0: They decided to play it safe and change the name of the character. Seemingly, they just thought instead of making a new name...
1: Which they should have done, actually.
0: Let's just take the name of another character and just switch it round. So the name of M. Bison went to the dictator. Yes. Who was previously named Vega. Right. Now, with the name Vega left on there, rather than give that to the boxer they thought it fit better for the spanish ninja who was previously known as balrog so the boxer named m bison became balrog right the ninja named balrog became vega and the big baddie named vega became m bison
1: they couldn't have changed his name to m bali
0: no seems not they've decided that it would be easier to do this this has been breaking minds of fighting game fans for years, especially as we move into an era where fighting tournaments are international.
1: Yes. It's baffling as to why you just, right, we're going to swap the names about, considering no. like, as a writer, the names of your characters are pretty important. Mm-hmm. Even like farcical names like you get in the Mikado, which is a whole other kettle of fish we're not going to bother with today. Mm-hmm. It feels weird just going, yeah, we're just going to swap the names about. Like, Vega does suit the Spanish guy a lot better. Mm-hmm. Balrog does not particularly suit the boxer. And I don't know, M. Bison kind of works for the dictator. But like, still, it's just so, it's such a baffling creative choice. You I know, know I know. It's... I'm usually all for respecting these types of things. But like, in this case, I'm like, Ah. That's rubbish. In
0: international tournaments now, they now get referred to as being Boxer, Claw and Dictator to try and avoid this tangled level of bullshit.
1: It's absolute bullshit. I don't understand why they didn't just give them all new names. But here we are, I suppose, in the reality where we did get that. I found it a lot easier to beat M. Bison, Big Bad Dictator Boy, (laughs) than it was to be Pretty Claw Boy. There wasn't that bullshit wall climb, for one thing.
0: He has enough bullshit moves of his own. He has this, like, backflip he does.
1: But I think I could actually counter that okay. I could avoid that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it did take a few tries. I didn't beat him in one go. It took a while, but it didn't take 40 attempts. Do you remember how many attempts it took me to beat by? <sighs>
0: Probably about 10 to 15. Admittedly, it was another one of these fights where you kind of worked out how to get in and give a throw quite early on in the fight. yeah. And then you took advantage of the fact that he has, again, a very big hitbox because of quite a wide boy.
1: Yeah, he's jacked.
0: Yes. That gave you plenty of landing space for your head stumps.
1: M. Bison has got a lot of strong moves in his arsenal. So the cycle crusher side attack, Mm -hmm. the glowy hand punch. The good thing about Chun-Li is that, again, she's also very fast. Mm It was one of those things that I could just about navigate everything, especially considering how much I had to go through with Vega. There were some similar moves in that arsenal that he had that I knew how to counter because of it.
0: Yeah, I think you're, you were able to get that triple head stomp on him, which definitely helped you get some damage in.
1: Yes, triple head stomp is definitely a good move. Mm-hmm. But when I beat him and how quickly I beat him, I was really surprised. I was ecstatic. Yeah. Uh, compared to certain fights i have had before Mm -hmm. (laughs) i managed to beat him quite easily actually
0: yes you beat bison and then chung lee gets to reign as the victor of the street fighter tournament
1: i was so pleased i'm so happy i'm street fighter champion fuck you all
0: This is where we get probably the only characterization you're going to get in this game for each character. And you get to see a small ending cutscene for her.
1: She's praying at her dad's graveside Mm -hmm. and says something like, I have avenged you, father. Mm -hmm. The drugs are destroyed. I'm like, drugs? Excuse me, what? Drugs?
0: Yeah, this... Right. Listen here, listeners. Listen, right. I had... As hard as it was to try and find if there was a prize to the Street Fighter tournament, I could find so fucking little that referred to drugs being in this game.
1: I mean, it's not like you could just, you know, win a bucket of black car heroin. I've never seen drugs mentioned anywhere
0: in the lore to this game. It was driving me up the wall trying to find an explanation to what the drugs were. The only thing I could find was from a manga that came out two years after Street Fighter's release, that mentions that Shadaloo are making this designer drug called Doll. that, when overabused, would turn people into mind-controlled puppets. Annoyingly, I've not read the full manga, but from the first book I have read, I didn't actually see it ever explained as to why anyone would want to take this drug.
1: Because it's drugs.
0: Yes, but drugs give you a high or a mellow or some effect that makes the horrible side effects worth it to the taker. There is no explanation as to why M would want to take doll, other than it's drugs and therefore we must take drugs.
1: It's just Venlafaxine but shit.
0: Yeah. This is just after the era when all arcade games started with the page Winners Don't Use Drugs.
1: I think that's what it is. Winners Don't Use Drugs. M Bison wants you to take drugs. You don't want to take drugs now, do you kids? Not till the
0: Champions Edition we get to play as Bison. Drugs! 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 <laughs>
1: Chun-Li is now free to be a pretty normal single girl.
0: Yes, literally. got the wording here of the exact phrase they use. She can now go back to being a young single girl.
1: I was talking about this earlier, but I can't get over the fact they had to even mention that she was single. This is not relevant to the game. It's not relevant to anything. It doesn't matter her relationship status. Why should she be defined by that? I'm pretty sure the text and memory were pretty limited. Mm -hmm. I know. Complete waste of a word of all the ones. Right, I'm sorry. I'm getting on like a video game feminism, everybody.
0: (sighs) I know. know.
1: (laughs) It's the 90s. It's a different time.
0: I never knew this until I was looking up this morning. They changed that ending in some of the later releases they did of Street Fighter 2.
1: Good. I'm very glad about that.
0: It's then her going into a club. And someone handling her and her kicking their ass.
1: Right, okay. That's a bit better.
0: With the game now complete, and we were never going to complete this game with the other seven characters, I decided to cut to the chase and found a video online of all the other endings to the game.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Is there there anything that stood out to you in them?
1: So Ryu does not turn up at the awards ceremony and has fucked off looking for his next fight. Yep. Ken snogs his girlfriend. Yep. Gael, he is going to kill M. Bison and then his wife and kid runs up and says, no, don't kill him. Killing is bad. And then he doesn't kill them and then they all live happily ever after. Yeah, pretty much. Apart from M. Bison, we assume.
0: Well, he didn't die, so I guess it's happy for him.
1: (laughs) He suffers the defeat at the hands of a filthy Western scum, but you know. E. Honda goes back to his uh, sumo dojo and his dinner with his students and is bragging about how well he did. Mm-hmm. Blanca turns out he was Tarzan the whole time. His mother rushes up to him and says, I'm your mother. You fell out of a plane in a plane crash and now I'm here and I love you. And they have this beautiful reunion. But I'm crying, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, it is a beautiful reunion scene, but all I'm thinking of is... How did that baby survive a fucking plane crash?
0: Because he went Hulk, obviously.
1: Yeah, apparently. (laughs) And uh, Zangie sending is possibly my (laughs) favourite. So... (laughs) A helicopter materialises from the sky and who jumps out of that helicopter but Gorbachev. (laughs) Not like Chovda Gorb, the Russian USS president.
0: No, this is full, the man with blood on his head, fucking Gorbachev.
1: Actual Gorby. And... (laughs) I think I just laughed for like a minute straight.
0: He, oh God, you think it's funny now? Cause he, he first comes in and he's like, you've proven the strength of Russia to the world or some other crap. And now we must celebrate as Russians.
1: <laughs> so you would think that, you know, it would just be getting shit faced on vodka and punching bears or something. They, it's even better than that. It's all like, it's Gorby. <laughs> Zangief and three KGB agents doing Cossack dancing, <laughs> <laughs> and just that image of Gorbachev doing Cossack dancing is so funny. Like just you know, imagine it set to uh, Rasputin by uh, Boney M.
0: <laughs> it's such a dumb ending it is brilliant
1: it's though. so it's probably the dumbest ending in the game and that saying something considering Blanca turned out to be tarzan the whole time <laughs> but oh my god it's glorious we really did save the best for last didn't we Sandro? We, did,
0: we did all the other endings we're just getting through to talk about zangief let's be honest here
1: yeah yeah
0: now we're at the end of the game though i'm gonna ask you To do your tier list for Street Fighter 2 characters.
1: Oh yeah. We'll
0: start at F tier
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we'll work our way up, even though I think it's kind of obvious who's going to be your S.
1: My F tier, is great as Zangief's ending was, and probably worthy of being put up a tier, sadly, very difficult to play as. He does the opposite of what I'm good at. Yeah. Yeah, he's going in the F tier.
0: That's fine. He can hang out there with Gorbachev.
1: In the D tier, I've got Ryu and Ken.
0: Yeah, there's no point separating them into two different tiers.
1: There's no point separating them out into different tiers. Why D tier? Because I didn't have that much fun playing as them. Mm -hmm. They were a bit boring to play as. I couldn't do their Dragon Punch, Mm -hmm. which is a real disadvantage considering that's one of their best assets. Mm -hmm. I put E. Honda in the C tier. The only reason I put E. Honda in the C tier is because he was quite heavy. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm fat phobic or anything, absolutely not. I did say he was a really good character to play as. He just isn't quite as agile as Chun Li. Mm-hmm. There are other characters who are a lot more agile than him, which play to my strengths a lot better. Okay. Sorry, Edmund. In the B tier are Ghoul and Blanca.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, why?
1: <laughs> so Goyle is. <laughs> Are oh, you going to get worse than what you say. <laughs> you getting much worse. Oh. I love that though. It's part of the joke. Goyle had a really good, the Sonic Boom attack was really mm-hmm. good, which is interesting considering the Sonic Boom game was not very good. No. His Flash Kick is great at countering air attacks mm-hmm. and Jumping Kick was good. He's not quite as agile and was a bit harder to get my thumbs around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's down a tier because of that lanka he gets some really good strong attacks Mm -hmm. but uh, again doesn't play to my strengths as much as i'd hoped so he's in the b tier okay dalsim is in the a tier because Mm -hmm. of how good his fire attacks are how stretchy his punches are and the floaty like his air moves are really good and because his jumps are floaty and slow It's a lot easier to do those combos.
0: And to the surprise of no one, I'm going to assume that Chun-Li is your F tier.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, no word of exaggeration, but Chun-Li has actually defined how I do fighting games. Mm -hmm. That might change in the future. You know, I've really shown my hand here, but I think that it's worth saying she's really, really good to play as, at least for me. Highly recommend you give her a shot first. But I know that different people have different fighting styles. So if you're doing any fighting game, play around with the characters and see which one you like best.
0: Now, having taken a break to grab dinner, because this took us a lot longer than we expected it would. Yeah. We're going to start again and this time go through Mortal Kombat. Right. Now, compared to Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat has a much more discernible plot. Yeah, There is a comic book, but quite frankly, that's going a bit too far for me, so I'm just going to stick with what's in the game. The story of Mortal Kombat involved a long-lasting duel between our universe called the Earth Realm and the hellish-dark dimension called Outworld. Shang Tsung has held the Mortal Kombat tournament every year for the past 500 years, and every year the four-armed champion Goro has won the tournament. During this process, the evil Shang Tsung has taken over the tournament and groomed Goro to be his champion. Shang Tsun has called the tournament again, but this year is something different. If Goro wins this year, this will allow Shang Tsung to claim Earth Realm for his own and take over.
1: We're going to rule the world.
0: Yeah. He is one win away from getting his loyalty card stamped, and he gets a free Earth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of putting it.
0: To fight this year in the tournament, we have seven challengers to Goro's crown. Well, this one we're going to start with the protagonist, and the first character you grew an affinity with. Lu Kang. Lu Kang. Once a member of the super secret White Lotus Society.
1: The White Lotus Society being super unsecret. Mm-hmm. Because of how the punctuation in the game works, mm-hmm. I read it as super secret White Lotus Society, which made me think that that's what it was actually called. My <laughs> headcanon, Lu Kang's part of the super secret White Lotus Society.
0: Liu Kang left the organisation in order to represent Shaolin Temples in the tournament. Kang is strong in his beliefs and despises Shang Tsun. These bios I am taking from the in-game attract mode screens which is what they call it when there's no coin in the arcade and it's just waiting for someone to come up and play.
1: So it aims to attract new players? Yes. Yeah.
0: Every character gets a bio and that's where I'm reading these from. Also in Mortal Kombat we're going to give the name of the actor. So Liu Kang, played by... Sung pack.
1: He's pretty cool, though he is kind of like if they sold Bruce Lee in Little.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Loose Brie, if you will.
0: <laughs> oh god, I knew you were gonna do that.
1: <laughs> uh, what can I say? It's just the naming conventions for bootlegs.
0: Yeah, he is absolutely bootleg Bruce Lee. Like he he's just Bruce Lee. I don't have to describe him. Just imagine Bruce Lee, imagine him slightly off brand, you've got Liu Kang basically yeah interestingly enough street fighter over the coming years will get its own loose brie if you will <laughs> the character called fei long who again is just a clone of bruce lee
1: right okay the street fighter developers just looked over at mortal kombat saw lu kang and said i want one daddy i want a lu kang
0: yeah they got this from aldi though we find <laughs> also a thing about mortal kombat Unlike with Street Fighter, where every character played slightly different, had different jumps and different speeds and powers and stuff like that, with Mortal Kombat, all the characters play quite uniformly. And instead, it comes down to a question of which special moves you like the most. Mm -hmm. They all have the same movement speed, same jumping speed, the same basic attacks, which is great because it means that no matter who you select, you always know how to do the sweep and the roundhouse kick and the uppercut.
1: If you're looking for someone that's easy to get your thumbs around, you're worthwhile going for Liu Kang. Yeah. He's quite easy to play with a very easy fatality. One of the only fatalities I could do in the whole game.
0: And probably the least lethal.
1: Yeah. He just does a big flippy punch.
0: Yeah, he just does this kind of cartwheel, punch someone up into the air and then they just land.
1: They could end up, you know, dying from the fall, but it does look like they've only broken a few bones at worst.
0: Yeah, it's very tame, his fatality.
1: You roll the joystick around and bam, super punch.
0: Yeah. His special moves are quite easy to do too.
1: Yeah, again, mostly joystick stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've got a flying kick. Yes. And a fireball, a mm-hmm. bit like Ryu and Ken.
0: Yes. This is the character you picked up first, and you were having an okay time with for the first fight.
1: Yeah, and then by the second fight, I just stopped wanting to play as him. I found him a bit weak when I was up against other enemies, mm-hmm. but then I cannot emphasise enough how merciless the computer players are in both games. Mm-hmm. It is palpable in Mortal Kombat.
0: So at this point we decided to restart, and this time you picked a new character to play. The Thunder God, Raiden, played by Carlos Pescina. Raiden. The name Raiden is actually that of a deity known as the Thunder God. It is rumoured that he received a personal invitation by Shang Tsun himself and took the form of a human to compete in the tournament.
1: In Japanese, as far as I know, we've watched a lot of anime, so... <laughs> it should be pronounced Raiden.
0: It should be pronounced Raiden.
1: I think it just comes from like a limited Western perspective and ignorance rather than anything else.
0: I wouldn't say it's ignorance exactly. Realistically, this is the early 90s. You learned that word by reading it.
1: Most English speakers would not know that AI sound in Japanese is AI. It's not they don't know that it's Raiden. They, as far as they can see, it's raid in.
0: Yes. So right. I'm willing to say at the very early stages, most likely it was their own translation error. Not as good as Sheng Long.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything can beat Sheng Long.
0: But it has been something they've doubled down with throughout the series.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know how we were talking about stereotypes earlier? Mm hmm. He's got his karate gi, mm-hmm. an Asian conical hat.
0: Yep, that's the correct name for it. Whoa.
1: And he yells vaguely Japanese gibberish whenever he does a certain attack. Lots of hilarious misheard lyrics hijinks to be had. Yeah. You know, you can see it being a touch problematic. Very much so, yeah. Uh... He's my favourite character of the game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is the character you ended up going the distance with.
1: Yes, I really went the distance with Raiden. Yes, you did. Basically, he is Ninja Thor. Yep. Because, I mean, most of the characters in this game are ninjas.
0: Yes, he gets his own Hadouken power, but his is just, he shoots a lightning bolt.
1: Which is very cool. It's a good distance attack.
0: Of his three special moves, it's the one you probably use the least.
1: Yeah, because it's a bit like the Hadouken. Yeah. With the Hadouken, you roll the joystick 90 degrees, Mm -hmm. which if you're in the heat of the moment is kind of a bit difficult to pull off. Mm -hmm. It's why I didn't use it as often, especially considering he has got better moves. He's got a charge torpedo. Yes. Where he rugby tackles while he's flying through the air.
0: Yeah, that's where he's making the racist noise you mentioned earlier.
1: Yes, he makes the racist noises there. Mm Mm-hmm. It actually reminds me of a time when I stood up to one of my bullies in primary school by rhino charging her. (laughs) So that was a fun moment.
0: Were you making a racist noise when you were doing it?
1: No, I might have screamed a bit, but not uh, racist Japanese noises. Ah, cool. It was all a bit of a blur. He's also got, my favourite move actually, is the teleport. How does that work? You push the joystick down and up mm-hmm. quick. And then he teleports from one side of the enemy to the other. And you can land some like, good attacks. There are quite a lot of times where your enemy will end up being able to see you coming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially if you use it too often. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good move. Being able to just like punch your kick, teleport, punch or kick from the other side. So much fun. Love it yeah he is pretty agile and that move just sealed the deal for me
0: it does give him a mobility that other characters don't yeah because like I said they all have the same movement speed
1: Mhm. which uh, considering I was playing Chun-Li in Street Fighter it's just too slow the reason why I wasn't huge on Raiden at first his mm-hmm. fatality was quite difficult to do mm-hmm. it's basically I don't remember what the combination is he basically strikes people with lightning until their heads explode yes that was interesting. The fatalities actually never failed to shock me. Yeah. Even when they happened a few times, they're just so stupid. Like, I just stare at it and go, wow, that happened. <laughs> that really happened, huh? It did happen, yes. <laughs> I think what
0: really helped you with Raiden, though, was that both the electric fly and the teleport don't involve you to press any kind of punch or kick button, it's just all directions.
1: Yeah. The electric fly sounds like a disco dance move
0: that's what it's called that is the name it's been given in the series
1: yeah the electric fly
0: mm-hmm. so he's the character you've now taken forward to fight all the other characters on the ladder
1: great fun love it well,
0: let's go through the characters you fought next on the ladder we have kano played by richard devizio kano a mercenary thug extortionist thief kano lives a life of crime and injustice he is a devoted member of the Black Dragon, a dangerous group of cutthroat madmen, feared and respected throughout all of crime's inner circles.
1: So Kano is like half man, half Terminator. hmm And is basically Arnold Schwarzenegger if he looked vaguely Arabian.
0: Yes, he is. Half his face is metal with a red eye.
1: Yeah. And but he's got like a sash that's full of pouches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not really sure what he keeps in there. Maybe it's like all the chocolate bars he stress eats.
0: Well, think of a special move and you'll probably work it out.
1: Oh yeah, there's knives. It's not stress eating chocolate bars. Sadly not, no. That would be quite funny though. Like,
0: nah.
1: So fucking relatable that would have been. But oh no. <laughs> Sadly, the throwing knives thing is just not quite as relatable.
0: No, it's a good move though. You actually do it from blocking, which is quite handy.
1: It's really good actually, yeah. So it's back forward while blocking. Yeah. Good distance attack. He's also got a sonic spin ball Mm -hmm. where he makes a beeline towards you while crunched up in a little ball.
0: Yeah, exactly same move that Blanca had.
1: Yeah, but with Blanca's like, he's quite a bit bigger than Kano, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of less sonic-like, whereas his spinny ball move was a lot tighter as well. So it really (laughs) did, he really did look like the blue blur, if the blue blur wasn't blue.
0: Yeah, the white blur. Yes. Which I think we just call blur. I did find this out in my research, the Black Dragon Society is an actual real Japanese gang. Really? Yeah, it's like a Yakuza gang. It's officially it's been disbanded, but it is rumored to still exist.
1: Ah right. His fatality is pulling someone's heart and or kidney from their (laughs) chest.
0: I think it's supposed to be heart.
1: It looks like a kidney, though.
0: It does, but it beats in his hand.
1: Oh yeah, kidneys don't do that, do they? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a heart.
0: Proper Dumb and Dumber style. (laughs) Puts it in a doggy bag and gives it to him.
1: I mean, really taking the old he stole my heart, literally.
0: (laughs) Next we have the character who, as I mentioned earlier, was the original test character, Johnny Cage, played by Daniel Piscina, brother of Carlos Piscina who played Raiden. Johnny Cage A martial arts superstar trained by great masters from around the world. Cage uses his talents on the big screen. He is the current box office champ and star of such movies as Dragonfest and Dragonfest 2 as well as the award-winning Sudden Violence.
1: That's another one where I thought it was literally called award-winning Sudden Violence as opposed to the film Sudden Violence being award-winning.
0: Yeah, it's all in caps. So, so I don't blame you for missing that's a proper noun. Yeah. It's just like, you know, he's known for Dragon Fist, Dragon Fist 2 and the award-winning Sudden Violence. Yeah.
1: It just sounds just like little- he's just
0: won an award for Sudden Violence.
1: He's won an award for Sudden Violence.
0: Oh my is- God, he's Will Smith. Ah! <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> so we have little bruce lee yeah and right here we have little john claude van damme
0: yes he is absolutely dressed like john claude van damme is in the movie bloodsport
1: if he cosplayed as fred durst
0: yeah he does have massive douche energy
1: i mean johnny cage or should i say clon john
0: <laughs> yes, as you can tell, though he like like the other characters, he is here representing another famous gang. You know, you have the White Lotus Society, the Black Dragon, Hollywood.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's part of the Illuminati. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Johnny Cage, Scientologist confirmed. <laughs>
0: Oh, he would be, wouldn't he? Fucking hell.
1: We didn't put it past him with his award-winning sudden violence.
0: He, he just has massive Tom Cruise energy, doesn't he?
1: I mean, I think he seems a bit more stable than Tom Cruise.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Give Tom Cruise half a chance, he would probably also punch someone's head off.
1: I mean, considering that he does all his own stunts in Mission Impossible.
0: Rumour has it they originally approached Tom Cruise to play Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat movie. He turned down the role, but for some reason he was skulking around the set a lot.
1: Was he doing this thing, right, where he's like, I'm going to play hard to get so he'll chase me? Maybe. Even though they did chase him. They approached him to play the role.
0: I don't know what that was about. I don't know the whole story. I just remember seeing that in my research somewhere.
1: <sighs> Why did he just take the role?
0: Because he's Tom Cruise. He's a fucking weirdo.
1: Yeah, but like he could have been like violent fighty man.
0: He's already violent fighty man.
1: Yeah, that's true. Not as violent and feisty as Will Smith, though. <laughs> right, okay, that's a cheap joke. We're going to stop that now. <laughs>
0: yeah, Johnny Cage is set up to be a bit of a joke character.
1: I mean, Johnny Cage has fatality. He punches someone's head off mm-hmm. and then turns to the camera, puts on a pair of sunglasses and folds his arms.
0: Mm-hmm. like while, while adopting a power stance.
1: Wide-legged power stance. Mm-hmm. I mean, total Fred Durst energy.
0: Yeah, you're not supposed to take this guy seriously.
1: No, no, you're not. I'd be very surprised if they wanted us to take this guy seriously.
0: His special moves are essentially the exact same as Liu Kang's, but slightly worse.
1: Yeah, an inferior Loose brie.
0: Yeah, he throws like a green fireball that functions exactly like Liu Kang's, but is a slightly bit slower. And he has this forward sliding kick that doesn't go across the whole screen, but only half the screen.
1: Clonjaw Dan Vam, right? Mm-hmm is basically the Luigi to Liu Kang's Mario.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. He is definitely sidekick material.
1: Which is weird considering he's supposed to be a leading man famous for his award-winning suit violence.
0: <laughs> he does have one move though that's unique to him.
1: Oh yeah, he goes into quick splits and then punches someone in the balls. Yes. Because why not? I think I know why John claude Van Damme actually turned it down. Because he's too goofy kind of comes off as a bit of a parody of it he might have taken himself too seriously to play that role
0: yeah but i think a lot of that has been added in to mock john claude van damme after the fact
1: yeah yeah take the piss out of him for not accepting the role
0: yeah but i will point out the nut shot is taken directly from bloodsport john claude van damme does the splits and uppercuts someone right in the crotch
1: i mean this is what ryu and ken were missing in their fighting training being able to do the splits and uppercutting someone in the nuts
0: next we have sub-zero Played again by Daniel Piscina. sub The actual name or identity of this warrior is unknown. However, based on the markings in his uniform, it is believed that he belongs to the Lin Kuei, a legendary clan of Chinese ninja. Again, Lin Kuei, real actual organisation of rumoured Chinese assassins.
1: Played by famous Chinese man, Daniel Piscina. Yep, yep. He's just Ninja Brian, but blue. Yes. You can't really see his face. You can only see, like, his eyes. Yeah. That's basically it. He's just a blue ninja.
0: Yeah, it's most of it's black, but he does have this kind of, like, blue waistcoat on.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's got a freeze ray. Not so
0: much a freeze ray. It, makes it like he's got, like, a gun. No, it actually shoots ice out of his hands.
1: Yeah, which is pretty cool. If the ice moves hit, you're frozen solid. Yes. But if you do it twice in a row then you'll freeze.
0: Yeah, you're only supposed to do it once and when it lands, it gives you a free hit.
1: His other special move is like a slide kick. Yeah. Which you can use to trip your opponents. Mm -hmm. It's basically like a sweep, but it does more damage. Essentially, yeah. Which is quite good, but I didn't tend to use that. It wasn't enough of a good move for me to keep playing as him.
0: There's a very cheap combo you can do in that game. You freeze someone, you uppercut them into the air and when they're on their back, you then sweep them.
1: Yeah. And uh, his fatality is straight up ripping someone's head and spine from their body.
0: Yes. In the Super Nintendo version, this has been sanitised a little. Instead, he just freezes them and then gives the frozen body a punch, at which point it shatters.
1: That's probably more on brand, actually.
0: Whereas in the original game, yeah, he just grabs their head and then rips out their head and spine.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah i mean it's another fatality i didn't manage to do but that's most of the fatalities i didn't manage to do
0: next we have scorpion who is played by daniel passina
1: oh who's that again yes i don't think we've seen this guy before
0: yeah he's pulling triple duty three paychecks
1: yeah true
0: scorpion like sub-zero scorpion's true name and origin are not known he has shown from time to time distrust and hatred towards Sub-Zero. Between ninjas, this is usually a sign of opposing clans.
1: Ooh, yes. Yeah. Spill that tea.
0: Oh yeah, it's fucking awful tea. Sub-Zero essentially killed Scorpion, his wife and his kid.
1: But, oh, oh yeah, like mystical, ooga booga, whatever, who cares.
0: Yes, essentially he's formed like a blood oath to come back to kill Sub-Zero.
1: It's like kind of funny though, They look exactly the same. They're they're literally the same costume, but Scorpion wears a yellow waistcoat. Yeah. It's the same picture.
0: It's essentially the same. They have a slightly different pose. Sub-Zero stands with his fist by his chest and Scorpion has his fist by his head.
1: Yeah, he does like a party boy type move. It it looks like he's dancing.
0: Especially with the kind of jauntiness of the music. You know, bum, 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 bum.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Totally goes
0: well. In the lore, Scorpion does end up killing Sub-Zero and then they bring in a different Sub-Zero instead.
1: Which the, one is the real one?
0: I think one's the dad and one's the son or one's or the brothers. I can't remember exactly.
1: In any case, they probably all look the same and i have came out of a cloning machine.
0: Actually, no, Sub-Zero does change his look. He actually loses the mask and you can see his face.
1: Oh, good. Because, like, it's just so boring and cheap, you know? Like... I understand that Think they'd blown all their budget on the digitising animation, mm-hmm. but like, if you couldn't have given them different costumes, they're opposing clans. Why are they wearing the same uniform but in different colours? It's so they know which side they're on in the big war. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta colour code that shit.
0: Yeah, you're given a waistcoat so everyone remembers what side you're on. <laughs>
1: this is like laser tag. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Scorpion has a distance attack. He, like, harpoons his opponent in the chest mm. and then, like, pulls the rope with a harpoon and punches the opponent. I don't know how anyone is supposed to survive that attack, but I guess this is the outer realm full of evil and stuff, so I guess Shang Sun allows it or something.
0: Hey, if it works, it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's if true. The only,
0: if the other guys get to bring fireballs into it, he gets to fire spears.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's also got a teleport move,
0: a bit like Raiden, yeah.
1: not quite the same as Raiden, though it's a little bit more tricky to pull off. Mm-hmm. He teleports from one end of the screen to the other. Raiden's teleport works is a lot more close range, mm-hmm. but Scorpions also means that he can do like a flying kick as he's teleporting.
0: yeah, he he jumps off one side of the screen and reappears in the other with a punch.
1: yeah, which is pretty cool.
0: and do you remember his fatality?
1: Right. He rips off his face, reveals like a ghost rider skull, Mm -hmm. and then breathes fire and disintegrates his opponent.
0: See, that's what I told you. He is not actually alive, he is dead, and that's why he has a skull for a face.
1: Ah right, okay. I get that now. I understand.
0: Yeah. Still quite a shocking vitality.
1: I mean probably one of the more humane ones. They're burned to a crisp, but it's quick.
0: True. And finally, we have the only female character in the game, Sonya, played by Daniel Pisino.
1: No, <laughs> I was just going to see that!
0: <laughs> no, this one's played by Elizabeth Malecki. Sonya. Sonya is a member of the top US Special Forces unit. Her team was hot on the trail of Kano's Black Dragon organisation. They followed them to an uncharted island where they were ambushed by Shang Tsung's personal army. She's actually the last character who's added to the game. Remember I told you in development they were given six months and then got extended to eight? Mm-hmm. In those additional months, they decided that they needed to add a female character to the game.
1: They thought, hmm, we've got a bit more time now. We should add our Chun-Li, shouldn't we?
0: Yeah, which wasn't a small undertaking. They had to record a new fatality line because when Sonya was health depleted, they couldn't say finish him. So you had to yeah. record one that says finisher.
1: I mean, they couldn't exactly get Daniel Piscina to play Sonia, could they?
0: Don't fucking dare them. They probably would.
1: <laughs> that that would have been iconic, not going to lie. When you think of, you know, a woman in the special forces, you think, oh, proper army uniform, maybe a beret, big boots, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Something you can fight in. She looks like she's just walked out of her aerobics class in the 1980s.
0: Yeah, it's camel green, but she is just wearing like a crop top. Essentially, she's dressed the exact same way as Gail is. (laughs) Tank top and trousers.
1: Gail was in proper army uniform.
0: I said essentially.
1: (laughs) That's essentially nothing. She looks like she's wandered off her chair yoga exercise video.
0: Yeah, the one she does for the army.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh God, she's American. We have to make it an American aerobics champion. (laughs) It's like she wouldn't be out of place in Gladiators. So Kung Fu Jane Fonda mm-hmm. has a leg throw mm-hmm. so she can like do a handstand and throw people with her feet. Iconic. I love it. Mm-hmm. I wish I could do that. And a flying zippy punch.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's not very many flying moves in the game and this is one of them.
0: Yeah. She's one of the few air attacks in the game.
1: Yeah. And she also has sonic boom rings yeah. A bit like wheel.
0: She's essentially female guile.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining Ghoul coming out of, you know, the jazzercise class, toweling off like, ah, yes, now back home to the wife and child. We've got this great Pilates instructor. You have to meet him. <laughs> her fatality is blowing a kiss to her opponent, which sets them on fire and turns them into a pile of burning bones.
0: Yeah, I've dated girls like that.
1: (laughs) I'm very glad you managed to survive them.
0: Well, doing so, so far.
1: (laughs) So far! (laughs) Behave yourself, Sandro. Consider yourself warned.
0: (laughs) Yeah, again, it's kind of a bit on the more goofy side. This is another one that survived onto the Super Nintendo, because it's just so cartoony.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's not just Scorpion that's get fire breath or Dalsim. <laughs> you don't have to be Indian to fire breath.
0: No, just join the army.
1: <laughs> just Join the army.
0: Once you've gone through all seven fighters, including a mirror match against ourselves, which somehow happens in this tournament.
1: Shengsung. That's all the explanation you need. Shang Shengsun.
0: It's actually a good explanation, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. You go through three endurance matches where you have to fight two characters one after the other. You'll deplete one's health bar. And then another character will jump in and continue the fight while you have the same amount of health and they've got a fresh new bar to use.
1: Try and kill your first character basically as quickly as possible.
0: And as defensively as possible.
1: Yeah, and then you've got more health to save for the second character.
0: Exactly. Took you a few tries, but you got through these quite quickly. You actually got through all of them in one night.
1: There was a point at the start of the game where I was really struggling. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to play it. I wanted to give up. But, you know, I kept trying. wanted to give this a good shot before, you know, I gave any criticism of it. And one day, I don't remember who it was I played, but Mortal Kombat just clicked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I found my thumbs with Raiden. Mm-hmm. I realised I didn't have to bother with Fatalities. There was just so much that I could just ditch and not have to worry about. I was really putting the, the Art of War into practice if you know yourself and your opponent you'll succeed in every battle if you know yourself not your opponent you will win some and suffer some defeats if you know neither yourself or the enemy you will succumb in every battle
2: mm-hmm.
1: being able to just detach yourself from emotions and just frame each loss as i'm getting to know my enemy and i will beat him or her soon i just need to keep practicing. Once I was able to frame fighting games like that, Mm -hmm. it made it a lot easier.
0: I'm really glad because you're right to say that this is a very difficult game to get your head around sometimes.
1: It really is, yeah.
0: But once you have it, it is incredible.
1: It's just a bit of a eureka moment. I mean, I say all of this about, you know, being zen and like, you know, using every failure as an opportunity to grow and all that. So much easier said than done sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. There were still points where I'd get emotional and frustrated and button mashy and I'd want to throw the fight stick across the room but I didn't, obviously.
0: No. (laughs) Not during the endurance fights. However, that emotion did come into force when we fought Goro.
1: The last endurance match was against Kung Fu Jane Fonda and Frozone Mm -hmm. inside this weird dungeon place and I thought, Why are we in this weird dungeon place? This is different. And you could hear the growls of this monster. I don't know. I'd developed an insensitivity to it because of doom. Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, quite strange. I was too busy trying to turn these two into Brussels Patty to notice. And then once I beat Sonya, in comes Goro. You come out of the last endurance match thinking, yes, I win. I'm gonna move on to the enemy and then Goro just turns up as your third endurance partner. My eyes widened and my blood pressure skyrocketed and all I could scream was Goro now Goro now and I just over and over and I just stared at you like and look back at you and then back at the screen, back at you and back at as I like watched my dead body on the floor becoming like prime steak mince after. The way Goro defeated me. And then, after I'd lost to him, I mean, I got a chance to fight him again. But it was impossible. Mm -hmm. He is such a cheap boss and such a difficult fight. Cue another autistic meltdown. That's all I have to say to that.
0: (laughs) Incidentally, this is the only character who is not played by an actor. Because Goro is a giant, four-armed mutant man.
1: Yeah, they did not have the budget to get real four-armed mutant men.
0: No, so instead they've sculpted one in Claymation and animated it.
1: (laughs) Yeah!
0: Now Goro also gets a backstory in the attract mode. A 2,000-year-old half-human dragon, Goro remains undefeated for the past 500 years. He won the title of Grand Champion by defeating Kung Lao, a Shaolin fighting monk. He will appear as a character in the second game, but I digress. It was during this period that the tournament fell into Shang Tsun's hands and was corrupted. Godo possesses both massive strength and great agility. None who fought him have reported any weaknesses. In fact, none who have opposed him have survived.
1: Except me, somehow.
0: Yet yeah, not through the first 20 attempts.
1: Uh, no. I kept trying, mm-hmm. but he kept beating me. Mm-hmm. It was impossible. Like, I got so, so angry.
0: His one step forward punch knocks off like a quarter of your health.
1: And then what he does is he grabs you with one set of arms and punches you with the other set and you can't do anything. You can't get out of it. There's no way, no amount of button mashing you can do can free you from his grip. And it's just every opportunity he got, it was just... He made me this angry, Sandro. How do you feel? You're complicit in this.
0: Hey, I tried to solve this, right? First thing I did was I took us back into two-player mode and we workshopped some ideas. Yes. One of the first things we tried was to do this tactic. We were to jump in, uppercut, jump out.
1: Which didn't work.
0: No, that didn't work for you at all.
1: Because he was still able to grab me with that. If you get too close to him, he'll grab you.
0: You weren't working fast enough because you have to duck the attack and then uppercut him.
1: When you've got, like, this big burly bastard... It's very hard to stay zen enough to work fast.
0: So what we instead tried was I taught you how to jump in with a fly kick and then jump straight back out.
1: Which worked a bit better.
0: Yeah, that got you more results. Yeah. Even with this kicking technique, though, you still weren't winning the fight.
1: Yeah, because Goro is super cheap. Mm Mm-hmm he apparently blocks moves he shouldn't be able to block
0: he does yes
1: pretty much every like punch and kick that you can do he can block it Mm -hmm. you have to really catch him off guard and good luck with that that biography was not exaggerating
0: so I think this is the point where we finally had to exploit the emulation software yes until now we'd only been saving between fights but this was the one time we thought every time you get a clean hit on Goro without taking damage we're going to create a safe state. Yeah. I know it's cheating, but in our defence, Goro is a cheating bastard too. So it's only fair.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would have been able to complete the game if you, you hadn't done that.
0: I've never beaten Goro.
1: So, I mean, the fact that I managed to beat him was pretty good. And you did get a chance to beat him, actually. You tried to do the fight. You just about managed.
0: I mean, like, back when I played it as a kid, I never beat Goro.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: That's another thing you've done in games that I haven't. You've beaten Mortal Kombat.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that.
0: Yes, because even after you beat Goro, which we were now able to do since we were exploiting the save functions, there was one last opponent.
1: Shang Tsung.
0: Played again by Ho Sung Pak, who was Liu Kang. Yes. Be thankful it's not Daniel Pesina again.
1: <laughs> oh, that would have been... <laughs> just like, who are we going to cast to play this character? Who's got the most range as an actor?
0: Yeah, I have to owe an apology to that first half, saying that Shao Kahn was the big bad. That's not until the sequel.
2: That was pathetic.
0: In this game, Shang Tsung is the big bad of it. I don't have a biography for him. He is the representative of Outworld, who is holding the Mortal Kombat tournament as part of a right to take over Earthrealm.
1: He has, like, long grey hair Mm -hmm. and a long grey moustache and beard Mm -hmm. and traditional Chinese robes. Mm -hmm. He's not Dr Fu Manchu, but still very, like, stereotypical old Chinese guy. But also dead. Basically, if Satan was old Chinese and shapeshift.
0: You fight with Shang Tsung, who only has three abilities.
1: He can shoot big, bad fireballs.
0: Yeah, these kind of screaming souls that shoot across the screen.
1: They're souls?
0: Remember they kind of scream and go, I thought
1: thought that was the noise that Shang Tsung was making.
0: I think it's like he's firing people's souls.
1: Huh. His second move is the backwards teleport.
0: It's really irritating because he can just get as much distance away from you as he likes at any moment.
1: To fire out the fire souls. Yeah. And the worst one... ...is that he can change into any of the other game characters at any time. Including you. Including me and Goro. <laughs> and... He can do like a really strong attack while he's shapeshifting. Yeah. So you can't react properly to it.
0: You're constantly guessing on what he'll become next.
1: Is it is at complete random. There's no like sequence or pattern to it. Even from like save file to save file, right... It's still completely random. We
2: mm-hmm.
1: were saves coming a bit through this one, but not. I don't think it's quite as much as Goro.
0: No, with Goro, it was after every hit. This wasn't as bad as that.
1: It's another one where the final boss wasn't quite as hard as one of the other bosses. Mm-hmm. Really interesting that one. I think his change into Goro was like I could use like that move that I used against him, but he wasn't Goro for very long.
0: Mm-hmm. So anytime he came Goro, admittedly you were prepared for that. Yeah. And as the other characters, you kind of knew how to fight them all by this point.
1: Yeah, I knew how to fight all of them. It made it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Because he changes into all the opponents you've faced before, it feels essentially like a final exam. Actually, yeah. But real final exams are worse.
0: I've definitely fought enough final exams, where it's basically the souls of papers I've beaten before, with the sudden shot of fire souls I was not expecting to burn the hell out of me.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The minute I beat him, I watched his shape-shifting abilities went fucky. Yes. I screamed, Fuck you, old man! I won't do what you tell me! <laughs> I, no, I, I'm not exaggerating. This is not, like, a bit that I'm saying after the fact. I actually screamed that at my computer.
0: Yeah, you went full rage at the end of this game.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I think this game definitely unlocks your bloodlust.
1: If Doom hadn't done that already... It was more like being able to claw my way out. You said to me that after I beat Goro I don't have to keep playing the game anymore and I I think I gripped my teeth and said I want to beat that old man. You want to beat him to the fucking ground. I'm not letting him win. Yes
0: I'm glad you did because now you can sit here and say that you have beaten Mortal Kombat.
1: I beat Mortal Kombat. Literally if you told me even two weeks ago that I could beat Mortal Kombat, I would have laughed in your face. But I did it.
0: You then get to see Raiden's victory screen.
1: So, uh, can we read Raiden's victory screen?
0: Not as good as the ones in Street Fighter, which gave you little acted cutscenes. These are just big blocks of text you got.
1: Which I mean, totally fair. Raiden's victory comes as no surprise to him. He was never impressed by Shang Tsung's inferior sorcery, Goro's brute force, or the challenge of the other contestants. He quickly becomes bored with this mortal competition and soon invites the other gods to participate in the contest. The ensuing battles rage on for years and the wars result in our world's final destruction. Have a nice day! (laughs) (laughs) You know what? See, in my head... That's the canonical ending. My character just... Eh, bored now. Despite how difficult I found it, Raiden's just like, Yeah, it's fine. Is that all you got? And then decides to bring all his god friends in to do the tournament and fuck up everyone's shit. I love it. I want that to be how the game ends. I know that it's me being biased and stuff, but like, please let me have this.
0: After you see Raiden's ending, I did do the same thing we did with Street Fighter and showed you the endings of the other characters.
1: Yes. Liu Kang restores order to the Force. Yep. Sonya rescues all her team. Kano returns to a life of crime. Scorpion finally kills Mm Sub-Zero and vice versa. And um, more importantly, I think I'm going to read out Johnny Cage's one because this is delicious. Yep. He returns to Hollywood after defending his new title as Grand Champion. Cage goes on to film Mortal Kombat the movie and its many successful
0: sequels. (laughs) Oh, God. It's a shame because it's so weirdly foreshadowing. Because the first Mortal Kombat movie is good. Or I remember it being good and I have no interest in testing that.
1: Yeah, but the other ones were not good.
0: Oh, the second one is god awful.
1: I don't think there was another one after the second one because the second one was so bad.
0: There was a reboot one that came out last year and that one was not too bad as well. That was actually quite good, that.
1: Ah, That was a reboot of the first movie, though. I don't think that counts. That's not like a sequel sequel.
0: There was one character in Mortal Kombat that you never encountered, though. Oh? One of the things that Ed Boon and John Tobias decided to add in one of the updates to the game was a little hidden character called Reptile.
1: Oh, so is he like one of the Ninja Turtles or something? Close. Is he like a Karma Chameleon?
0: <laughs> Actually, you kind of bang on with that one, because he is just another ninja played by our good friend Daniel Piscina.
1: Oh boy, Daniel Piscina again. I missed him so much.
0: Yes. This time coming to you as a ninja in a green waistcoat.
1: The guy's got so much range, what can I say? Like, he can wear blue, green, and gold. Yes. <laughs> they couldn't have made like an actual reptile character? Did they run out of plasticine?
0: Not really. It's more the case they ran out of space.
1: Ah, oh, memory.
0: Ed Boon was massive about there being hidden secrets in the game. When Midway sold the Mortal Kombat machines, they didn't even tell the people buying the machine how to do the fatalities. He wanted the people to find them on their own.
1: Wow.
0: And one of the things he always wanted to do was add a hidden character to the game. Now, annoyingly, we didn't get any of these during our playthrough. Yeah. Reptile would come on screen and give you a hint on how to get into a special fight with him. It would be cryptic clues like look to La Luna or bottom of the pip spelt backwards.
1: That sounds very pretentious.
0: Yeah, it was just these very hidden clues. What you have to do. Mortal Kombat has different stages that are just randomised, which quickly aside, the Shang Tsung's throne room. I love because when you win, Shang Tsung does the most sarcastically slow clap gif
1: it looks more like you know those like monkeys the mechanical monkeys with the symbols yeah that runs in homer simpson's brain whenever marge starts trying to tell him something Mm -hmm. he claps like that
0: but one of the more famous levels is the pit Mm. the only level in the game that has a stage fatality where when you get to the end of the fight and it says finish him you can upcut your opponent and knocks them into the spikes below
1: there's the heads of impaled bodies and stuff of people that will not appear in the game i think those might be the developers
0: yes that is ed boon and john tobias down there
1: yeah i just they wanted that cameo and that was the best way they could think of doing it
0: sometimes when you're on the pit though the moon's in the background and sometimes in the pit you'll see an object flying front of the moon sometimes it's a witch sometimes it's a rocket ship sometimes it's santa claus what <laughs> but regardless of what you see flying front of the moon it means that you've got a possibility to fight Reptile now.
1: Sandro, uh, can we roll back a bit no. and tell me, but, but Santa Claus, why is Santa Claus in Mortal Kombat?
0: Is he any less ridiculous than Johnny Cage?
1: I thought everyone in the Outworld were automatically in the naughty list.
0: Who else is going to bring Goro his toys?
1: <laughs> I hope Goro has good Christmases. He deserves it. I know he beat me to a pulp and stuff, but he doesn't get a happy ending. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get an ending at all. It's rubbish. I feel like I am within my rights to give him one. Okay. Since he's no longer under the control of Shang Tsung, Goro gets to retire in a little cabin in Alaska.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, a little Alaskan village. He has his little cups of tea and does his little flower garden and goes to his book club. Ragtag team of middle-aged women who really like romantic comedy books. <laughs> and, and he just has a really nice, tranquil life. He can bake two cakes at once. Considering how sad and angry Goro was, I feel he deserves better. Hashtag justice for Goro.
0: <laughs> when something flies in front of the moon, it means that you don't have the possibility to fight Reptile. You have to then win that fight without taking any damage in the fight and get what's called a flawless victory or a double flawless victory because you've got to go two rounds. At the end of the fight, as long as you do a fatality that will then complete all the requirements made and you'll get a special fight against Reptile.
1: Yeah, there is absolutely no way I was going to be able to do that.
0: God, no, It's not. it doesn't get you anything other than a lot of points.
1: Yeah, and as we've established, no one gives a shit about points.
0: No, but the fact that there was a hidden character in this game drove people crazy because some machines had it and some machines don't. Some people got hints, some people didn't. In an age before the internet, this made waves of rumours. There was no proving if he was really in the game or not. But it also put people in mind of another weird clue they got in a video game. Wait. When people saw that Mortal Kombat had a secret character, people wondered, has Street Fighter got a secret character called Sheng Long? And this then became the massive rumour, you would get to fight Sheng Long.
1: But but, Sheng Long is like a mistranslation
0: i know but people didn't know that that's why the rumor existed okay one of the reasons why the Shenlong myth took off was that there was a magazine called electronic gaming monthly who added in a guide on how to unlock Shenglong, where you had to beat the game with perfects in every fight and then get to the fight with bison and have nine draws happen
1: was that an april fool's joke
0: yes it was it was on the April edition or the April Fool's edition oh. and the tip was sent in by a W.A. Stokens. Waste Tokens.
1: Oh yeah.
0: They had an image of another fighter like Ken Ryu but with a black gi on.
1: Right.
0: And with a long white ponytail. Obviously the character didn't really exist because as we've said before it was a translation error. But in the final iteration of Street Fighter. This did spur on Capcom to add in a little special character at the end. If you could beat the game with, as far as I remember, three perfects, at least two super finishes, and get to Bison within 20 minutes with no continues. When you're about to fight Bison, a character you've never seen before jumps on screen, beats up Bison, and then fights the character instead. That character was Akuma, also known as Goki in Japan. Gokin and Akuma both got created because some fucker couldn't translate Shoryuken correctly.
1: Oh no. Oh.
0: Back to Mortal Kombat though. The reptile encounter also caused a weird rumour in Mortal Kombat. Right. In arcade games, there's always a menu that the arcade runner can see with a special key usually. In that menu, there's a lot of things that the game tracks, including reptile encounters. Right. And under reptile encounters was A strange counter for Airmax.
1: Who's Airmax?
0: Airmax then became a rumoured character in the game, like Sheng Long. Until it turned out, Airmax stands for Error Macros, Ed Boon's way of logging faults in the game. Oh! It's only there for bug reporting. People thought it was a hidden character, especially as it's under Reptile Encounters. So people see Reptile Encounters 3, Airmax 0. Ooh!
1: yeah yeah oh i can understand that yeah
0: when it came around to mortal kombat 2 the devs littered the game with ermac easter eggs teasing that he doesn't exist what hidden characters like reptile would come on screen and say ermac who and when you beat the game a little thing pops up at the bottom which is scrambled but you've put the letters in right order it says ermac does not exist oh by mortal kombat 3 they eventually relented and added in Ermac as a red ninja with psychic powers.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's more money for Daniel Piscina, What can I say?
0: (laughs) But that's just another example of how they used to just mess with people over that game. You can understand now why when you told me the thing about Abacab, I just went, that is absolutely their humour to add that into the game based on the Genesis song.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Mortal Kombat Strikes Me as a game made by a ragtag team of developers, a small ensemble cast, kung fu movie nerds, in their treehouse or something. (laughs) Oh, man, we gotta have Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But but he's like a criminal on the run. Wow, we gotta have Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's so cool. Ninjas! Fuck yeah! (laughs) Oh, but we gotta have a girl. We gotta have John Lee. All right, fine, but only one. Oh, how about Sonya? Stop trying to hit my sister, Kane.
0: (laughs) God, it doesn't sound too far off.
2: It really is.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I think that now finishes our time with Mortal Kombat. So I only want to ask you what your tier list was for the game. So starting with the F tier, what's your tier list for Mortal Kombat?
1: Uh, Virtue of the fact that we needed someone for the F tier, apparently. The person I had least fun playing was Sonya. Mm-hmm. I was hoping she'd be a bit more agile and she wasn't. No, She doesn't have enough special moves to kind of compensate for that fact. So this is purely subjective. I mean, she's probably best up in the D tier with Kano, mm-hmm. who is also someone who's a bit clunky, heavy, not particularly agile, mm-hmm. but does have some quite good attacks.
0: The knife throwing does kind of save him a little bit.
1: And also the supersonic ball. Next up in the C tier is Johnny Cage. Mm -hmm. clon Dan Vam.
0: Yes, the A-list actor in the C tier fighter.
1: Yes. I mean, I know he's supposed to have award-winning sudden (laughs) violence, but um, for me, it was not particularly award-winning. He was just a weaker version of Liu Kang. And... uh, Liu Kang is already kind of like a bit weak. Mm -hmm. But having said that, Liu Kang is going in the B tier Mm -hmm. because he's quite easy to get my thumbs around. Mm -hmm. I really liked playing him at first. It's just kind of one of those things that we didn't quite work out. Mm -hmm. I imagine another player would have a lot of fun playing as him. In the A tier are Ninja Brian's one and two.
0: Scorpion and Sub-Zero.
1: Yeah, because a lot of their moves... They're not entirely similar, but they're still pretty high merit Mm -hmm. in their own way. It's probably not fair to rank one above the other because their moves are just as good as each other's. And in my S tier, to the surprise of no one, is Raiden.
0: The Thunder God sits atop them all.
1: I can't get over how he said this tournament was like super boring. Everyone was too easy to play. And then there's me just broken and haggard curled up in a ball on the couch sucking my thumb (laughs) metaphorically yeah almost metaphorically
2: (laughs) Raiden wins
0: and with that we have now finally finished both games how do you feel looking back on your experience with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter
1: it was an arduous journey but I got through it eventually Mm mm-hmm I worked pretty hard to do it, and I'm really proud that I did it.
0: Yeah, these are not easy games by a long shot, Mm -hmm. but they're very rewarding for the way they play. Yes. It's why they both went on to be as successful as they were.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that.
0: Street Fighter 2 goes on to have multiple upgraded versions where they speed it up, they add more characters, they do all these tricks and differences to it over the next four years, all under the Street Fighter 2 branding. By the end, they keep adding in words, though. By the end, it's called something like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo.
1: They couldn't have just called it Street Fighter 3, 4, 5. They had to keep doing Street Fighter 2.
0: Yeah, they will eventually make a Street Fighter 3, but that's its own issue that comes up at the end of the 90s. Mortal Kombat, on the other hand, is a lot more conventional. It does go from Mortal Kombat 2, then Mortal Kombat 3, then Ultimate Mortal Kombat, then Mortal Kombat Trilogy, and then it all falls apart.
1: I didn't know the Japanese word for four was ultimate.
0: Apparently so. Both series get celebrated outside of video games. Both get a live action movie of different qualities.
2: For you, the day bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday.
0: They also both get a comic series. They also both oddly get a cartoon series.
1: D- a cartoon is in... Playing on kids channels. Yep. But but Kano rips out someone's heart.
0: I know, I know. And
1: and Sub Zero rips someone's head and spine from oh. its body.
0: Once we're done here, I have to show you some of the really bad clips from both cartoons. They are wonderful. Not until I see those street fighters pummeled to
2: dust, which should be any moment now. <laughs>
0: Honestly, if we ever wanted to think outside of the format of Starter Quest again, we could look at all the weird media around both these games. Sadly, both series end up losing their luster by the mid-90s. Neither game took well to the 3D movement.
1: Yeah, a bit like Sonic.
0: Yeah. Street Fighter 3 ended up being very visually stunning, but too powerful for consoles at the time. So it never moved to the home consoles till like three years later after its release at a time when the arcade was dying. Didn't do many any favours.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Mortal Kombat, on the other hand, tried a spin-off game of Sub-Zero that was god-awful. Right. And then the game that came out after it was... It was lacklustre. It had a, it had a great continuing game over screen. Other than that, not really much to write home about. Unfortunately, when it came around to the PlayStation era, they just didn't keep up. They weren't able to hang with the likes of Virtua Fighter and Tekken. So they did fall out of favour slightly. They would come back. Absolutely, by the PS3, both games have a major release that puts them right back up at the top, where they haven't left since. We've came back from the absolute gargantuan recording we've done covering both games.
1: Yes.
0: And I'm now going to invite you to do your final analysis. What do you take away from your time with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2?
1: Overall, I've had an okay time. It's had its trials and tribulations, Mm -hmm. but I think there is a bit of an elephant in the room to address, for lack of a better term. Do tell. There is a great deal of cultural appropriation, stereotyping and othering in these games. That's... That's fair, yeah. Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. creates a mystical realm that's basically a hodgepodge of different East Asian cultures. Yeah. Seemingly without understanding like the nuances and significance behind these cultures.
0: It's no secret that they're just taking their favourite parts of Kung Fu movies and smacking them together to make a plot.
1: Yeah, you can tell it's from a quite limited Western perspective. Mm-hmm. That's made for Western audiences. I'm absolutely sure it comes from a place of love, Mm -hmm. but there's a certain ignorance to it. It plays into the exotification and mysticization Mm
2: -hmm.
1: of Eastern cultures that stems from a pretty colonialist rhetoric. For example, Raiden appropriates a real religious figure in Japan. He's actually the Shinto god of thunder. And they've effectively made him like, their OC do not steal. They've not even pronounced it right. We talked about that earlier. Should be pronounced riding.
0: I said this earlier and it does bear worth repeating. Getting that wrong in the first game is understandable in an era where you'd read that word before you heard that word. Mm -hmm. The fact that they've made no attempt to correct it just shows how little they care about getting it right.
1: I don't know about that. It's more a case of, well, we've done it. There's no turning back now. Mm. But I think in hindsight, there could have been a real educational moment could have came from that considering the announcer tells you what it says. The announcer could say that this is Raiden, you know, they also could have not named him after a real deity. They could have done that as well.
0: It's very clear that they've done that. As a way to show how much they've learned about Eastern culture, despite the fact they learned it wrong.
1: mm mm-hmm. I mean, Annie's also got, like, the colonial rice hat. I mean, it's still, like, a, a hat that people wear and things like that, but it's often used in the West as, like, to demeaningly stereotype Asian people.
0: It's definitely racist shorthand for Asian people.
1: Yeah, it can be. It can be. The tone of the Mortal Kombat games are very, like, tacky and pastiche Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's not supposed to be taken seriously and it's got that going for it. But at the same time, like when you've got a lore that's so basically just a child's mishmash of all the Asian cultures, mm-hmm. it comes across as being pretty insensitive and tasteless at points. Mm-hmm. So Mortal Kombat is just this complete like off the wall nether realm, it's not real life, whatever. Street Fighter Two, it's reality adjacent. Street Fighter is this globetrotting adventure where you fight the best fighters in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But the one problem is is that it leans into cultural shorthand because they needed to get across where the fighter's from and what nationality they are in the shortest span of time. Mm -hmm. They felt like they had to lean into stereotypes of those nations to make sure that they are universally recognised.
0: Especially with Dalsim,
1: yeah. Especially with Dalsim. It's really not great that they've got a fighter who's Indian, who's very good at fighting and has some cool powers, but it's still not great that he is portrayed as a mystic man with a skull necklace. Yeah. Yoga and meditation are really important spiritual practices and have a lot of cultural significance to it. Like, history stretching back for centuries. And... Reducing it to yoga man has stretchy powers is pretty reductive, to say the least.
0: 100%. That's not to say he's the only one, though. Zangief being this mountain of a Russian man is in its own way about stereotyping of the simplistic Russian farmer.
1: Right, yeah.
0: all brawn and no brain.
1: Yeah, which is weird considering that Russia's also... Known for its chess champions and stuff, right?
0: Absolutely, they are hundred percent. To reduce them that way is incredibly limiting. At the same time, though, just to show it's not just looking at Eastern countries this way, Gail is a deep stereotype of the Americans.
1: Yeah, Gail is a uh, very much right. Okay, I'll stop that now. <laughs> yes.
0: So, okay, out curiosity, are you ever actually going to get that name right? Whose name? Gales. Gael? Gail. Gail guile guile Gail, guile
1: <laughs> <Gail? laughs>
0: the blonde man with the tall hair and the fucking america tattoos who's part of the army the stereotyping works internationally in that game
1: yeah i mean as much as street fighter 2 is some really iconic characters the mm-hmm. problem with the old cultural shorthand is that you're mashing centuries of history and cultures of a nation into like A literal two-dimensional character Mm -hmm. because okay there's probably been character development and stuff since then you know Mm -hmm. to the present day games but back then they were literal just 2d fighters
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's not great that this idea of international recognizability kind of panders to western biases and stereotypes Mm -hmm. Like even their like Japanese character E. Honda, you know, is this sumo wrestler man with kabuki makeup, Mm. which again, super important things in Japanese culture. But there's so much more than just that, you know,
0: especially for the Japanese putting themselves this way is a bit weak.
1: Yeah. I mean, the characters in Street Fighter, again, they're not that deep. There's only so good a job that these games can do paying homage to the nations they want to represent. These games are not exactly leaning into the most worst, most hateful stereotypes, and they're not anti-Asian propaganda or anything Mm -hmm. like that. They're not hate speech. They don't actively promote dangerous ideas. They're just two video games that haven't aged very well.
0: Not in regards to how they portray the characters.
1: Yeah. The fighters in both games are all portrayed as like strong, badass fighters. They have their own strengths and weaknesses. A lot of people, especially at the time, came away liking these characters. Everyone playing these games saw them as cool and didn't think much of it. In saying that, it's worthwhile to be able to consume your media with a critical or analytical eye. Or at least be able to acknowledge there may be aspects of it that are like a bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Enjoying these things doesn't make you a bad person and appreciating a book or film or video game in its historical context, it really does give it more meaning than just seeing it in a vacuum. There's so much more to any piece of media than it's just a film, mm-hmm. it's just a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with the storytelling using the cultural shorthand and the mishmashing of uh, different cultures to make up your universe is that not only does it lean on stereotyping which has been justifying and causing real world problems for as long as humans have been around. But it also creates what Nigerian writer Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie calls the single story. I highly recommend you watch her TED Talk on it. It's a great watch I come back to fairly often. Storytelling is a far more powerful tool than we can really grasp. And having a single story to define one nation or continent or social class or other group of people creates this almost dehumanised interpretation of what little we know of that group. Like how in the West, Africa is depicted as one war-torn starving nation when actually it's a continent made of 54 nations with their own individual histories and cultures. Or how India is seen as being full of mystic yoga wise men when actually it's a country with multiple main religions that are pretty distinct from one another and several different official languages and dialects. Or, to our level, how British people are all tea drinking toss who love the Queen. There is some truth to it, sure, but by only seeing the world through these single stories, we lose in so much. As Adichie says, that's how you create a single story, show a people as one thing, as only one thing over and over again, it is that what they become. I read parts of Orientalism, the 1978 book by Edward Said which is a foundational text in post-colonial studies. One of the points in his book is that the West tend to sell a certain reductive narrative of Eastern countries and robs them of giving them their own time to tell their story. And I'm very aware of the privilege I have as a white woman living in a Western country with a very limited frame of reference, so I'd rather not be part of the problem. Worth bearing in mind, right, that games aren't only improving and evolving in their quality of life features and Mm -hmm. gameplay and how they feel, but also in their storytelling. One thing I do appreciate about Mortal Kombat is that they give you the backstory and they make it obvious. I mean, otherwise, let's face it, Scorpion and Sub-Zero would have been pretty indistinguishable without that. Mm -hmm. It's a step in the right direction for storytelling in gaming as a whole.
0: And definitely when we get to doing things like Tekken, for as much as I worried about talking about these two games and now looking at the running time we have for this, I clearly worried with no need. <laughs> I've got no worry of talking about the characters in Tekken because there's so much deep lore to go into every character in that game. Brilliant. Shall we do the write-ins?
1: Let's do the writings!
0: Yes, we've got loads of replies to this on Twitter.
1: Thank you so much, you guys!
0: Insane Ian writes in with, When I was in middle school, there was a pizza place near my bus stop home that had Street Fighter 2. It was the first place I saw it. And not knowing anything, I chose Zangief because he was the biggest and therefore the strongest. They later swapped the machine out for Mortal Kombat and had slips of paper with moves written for it. Ooh, That's a big thing about these games because you played these games with all the moves written down for you that I told you. Yeah. Gamers didn't get that with them
1: yeah like you gave me the sensei training mm-hmm. but people back then didn't have that
0: no when i first played street fighter i did not know any of the special moves i had to work them all out well i say work them all out what i really did was that there was a magazine that came out that had all the moves and a lot of people learned through those magazines
1: <laughs> capcom power
0: <laughs> probably one of the amiga magazines my brother had he just mm. showed me the moves with mortal Kombat. i think they're in the instruction manual but i'm not 100 percent sure on that
1: yeah write in and let us know about that
0: Oikalcom Lincoltrix on Twitter wrote in, In my teens, we had a massive arcade in Fort Lauderdale, like 30 of each game massive.
1: Wow.
0: Playing Mortal Kombat 2 on a hot streak beating other people, the kind of gets a crowd forming. Then BAM, I'm fighting Noob Cybot. The crowd went insane. No one knew what was coming. Now Noob Cybot was one of the hidden characters in Mortal Kombat 2.
1: Right.
0: But I think it does quite well capture what it was like when you encountered someone like Reptile in Mortal Kombat 1. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, Noob Saibot is Tobias and Boone backwards, the developers.
1: Ah!
0: It was a joke character just to kind of, they had a bit of representation in the game.
1: Was he basically just like Ninja Brian 5 and he was like pink or something?
0: Grey, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was
1: joking!
0: Matt from the Fun and Games podcast, wonderful guy, writes in with, I was that kid who always played Blanka and would corner you and fly high and electrocute you to death. Super Street Fighter 2 back in the day was the fighting game I played with my best friend.
1: Yeah, Super Street Fighter 2 you can play as the boss characters, can't you?
0: Yes, and there's also some other characters invented by this point.
1: Ah, right.
0: I think this does have a great example as to how cheap you could get that even to this day, I'm not the only one who was a bit ashamed by how cheap we were with the characters.
1: But then if that's the game that was made for you to play, then you got to play how it's made to play, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I know there's people out there who say Chun-Li is cheap.
1: Chun-Li's great. How dare you? Chun-Li is like high class and glamorous. Thank you very much.
0: I know, but it's just, there is a way to play the characters cheaply.
1: No one slanders my girl.
0: Okay, okay. I'll move on then. I'll move on. <laughs> Finally, Old Man Sinister writes in with Only advantage Mortal Kombat base brought to the table was Mirror Match. There was so much less character mechanic diversity in Mortal Kombat, so generalised that every character even had a projectile. Comparing the two is not really a fair question. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Mortal Kombat was significant in advancing digital capture tech and establishing a Western dev in the still emerging fighting game genre, but it led hard on novelty first, then iterated on the gameplay in future installments.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Street Fighter 2 did a lot more to diversify its characters than Mortal Kombat did.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: And they will learn from each other. Mortal Kombat will get more diverse with its characters. And Street Fighter 2 will add in a lot more projectile moves for every character. So they are both taking each other as inspiration. Yeah. For now, though, let's take this conversation to the final round and go through the three gens. Last gen, did these games live up to your expectations? And has playing them helped you understand any references you've seen to the games?
1: I knew I'd need time to adjust to the new controls, right? Mm-hmm. And learn how to play the games. But oh my god, this was a lot harder and more frustrating than I ever thought it was going to be. In both games, the computer does not care who you are. They will gleefully outmaneuver and beat you into Brussels patty and laugh in your face <laughs> about it. Sometimes they'll rip your head off as they do it. Quite literally. But I also did expect to enjoy them more. I really had to struggle through them. And if I didn't have to play them for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have finished them. Mm. Also, I understand firsthand why Mortal Kombat was so controversial at the time. But I did expect the fatalities to be something you had to do after every fight or that it was something that happened automatically. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad it was a very very optional thing. Mm-hmm. You could do if you wanted to if you were a cretin and a show off, mm-hmm. but like you didn't have to see it every time you beat someone. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned the Nicki Minaj song Chun-Li earlier mm-hmm. and as I'm like playing the game I'm sitting wondering if Nicki Minaj also struggled with Street Fighter the way I did. <laughs> but I come to the agreement that yes, she is a good character. Me and uh, Nicki Minaj both have that in common.
0: <laughs> Current gen, do you feel the games hold up as classics? And is there anything in the games which didn't work for you?
1: These games have stuck around because people kept wanting more. You know, these franchises are still going today pretty strongly. Yep. There's still huge fan bases for each of them. Mm-hmm. They've popularized the fighting game genre. And once I managed to get my hands around the controls and learn the tactics of it, I did have fun with it. But in saying that, I think the game could have done with giving me a tutorial. I know it's like, arcade games don't do that because it's not the point of an arcade game. But I guess it's like, you know, something they've added in when it's just console games. Wouldn't do any harm to have added them in. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they would have done in later console games. But I don't know if they did one, you know, for Mortal Kombat on like the Amiga or something.
0: I will say but the PlayStation 1, I think every major... Fighting game has a training mode that, if nothing else, just has you fighting a character with infinite health that doesn't move.
1: Yeah, I probably could have done with that this time around, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the format, so I can only really get so angry about it. (laughs) Mm. These games laid the groundwork in popularizing fighting games, and people still love the characters to this day. Once I got it, I had a good bit more fun. If you want to take a look at a cultural artifact or you're a fan of fighting games and wanting to find its roots, then you'll have an okay time. And there's a lot of good about these things, but considering how much has improved, I don't see much point in coming back to it today.
0: I'm not the of person who recommends going back to play an old fighting game. If, however, you sat me down in front of Street Fighter V and say we're going to have a game of this, I would have fun playing it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, again, there's been so many improvements and iterations made over Mm. the years.
0: Get ready for the next gen. That's going to make sense in a future episode, trust me. Right, okay. Would you recommend these games to a newcomer? And are you interested in trying other games in the franchises?
1: Considering you had to be my sensei through the whole thing, my multiple meltdowns throughout playing these games, uh, no. no, 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 I wouldn't. I would not recommend these two games to newcomers.
0: You have to get into fighting games somehow, though.
1: You have to get into fighting games somehow, but just not these particular versions of those franchises. Mm. There are other fighting games out there that are a lot more beginner friendly. They have a training mode. They're generally just better for people coming back to it. But Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat on the arcade, not a great place for newcomers to start with fighting games. I would like to give some of the other games a shot, yeah. Just a bit of fun with my friends and stuff like that. See what the other characters are like, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to do the story modes for each game, though. I'm not that invested in the characters. Especially not with Mortal Kombat, I'm sorry. Like The characters have their charms, but like they're not that great. Mm-hmm. They're not the best.
0: I understand. I do understand. Which is a shame, because it's the one that seems to translate better to movies.
1: Well, it depends what movie, Sandro.
0: Now, I know it's called The Three Gens. But I think in on this one occasion, we have to make a fourth gen. A major gen, if you will. Which game
1: is the better fighting game? Um, I'd have to say Street Fighter 2. It was a bit of a tough decision because both games have very much got their pros and cons. I really struggled through both of them. Chun-Li has informed my fighting style going on. I really like her. And I like the characters in Street Fighter an awful lot more.
0: So let's just be clear, if you played Mortal Kombat before Street Fighter, do you think this opinion would be reversed?
1: I don't know. My fighting style may have been informed by a different character in Mortal Kombat. I mean, one of our writings said that the characters were not particularly distinct. Mm. And I agree. There's a lot of good with Mortal Kombat. Like, you know, as he said, with the motion capture and bringing a western developer into the genre into the game but i didn't enjoy it quite as much as i did street fighter in the end once i actually got my thumbs for them
0: and it's been decided street fighter wins
1: fatality
0: time to announce our next episode and we're going to be doing another new genre normally i try to space out new genres but given the next episode's going to be coming out end of october start of november hopefully
1: fingers crossed
0: I thought it was about time we played a horror game. Ooh. So, we're going to take our first trip on the original PlayStation to play the horror game which survived them all
2: Resident Evil. Ooh.
0: As always, we'd love to hear your stories about playing Resident Evil. The best place you can find us will be on Twitter at StarterQuest. As always, you can email us using starterquest at gmail.com to tell us your stories of getting through the first Resident Evil. Thank you very much for listening. Please take your time to review us on your podcast platform of choice to help us get more noticed. Just keep in touch with us if you want to know how we're progressing through our next game to hopefully get out for you in timing for the Halloween season.
1: I like to take a bit of time every episode to remind everyone that I am, in fact, a writer. I have my writer's website, <laughs> jenhueswriter.com. My Facebook page is Jen Hughes Writing. My YouTube channel that I'm hoping to do more with is also Jen Hughes Writing. And if you're so inclined, you're more than welcome to follow my dormant Instagram account, Jen Hughes Writing.
0: <laughs> I'd like to thank both of our featured artists for the two theme songs. Vertex Guy for Threats of Fury and the Dual Dragons for Mortal Confrontation. Yes, with a K. Both available over at ocremix.org. Until next time, we'll be surviving a night in a haunted mansion. It'll be a goodbye from me, Alessandro.
1: And a goodbye from me, Jen.
0: Street Fighter wins. Quest completed.
1: Your turn! When Zangief goes to the woods today, he doesn't go in disguise. When Zangief goes to the woods today, they'll soon get a big pile drive. (laughs) For every bear that ever there was packs up their shit and runs off because Zangief's going to tear the fuck out their picnic. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Very well done. Very well done.
1: (laughs) I'm far more proud of that than I should be.